This is the movie Hall of Fame, Class of Potter. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And that's for August 28th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Adam. And across the table is the infamous Nico DiGregorio. He's chilling out, not doing anything. Not doing nothing. In the words of Paul Rudd on that episode of Hot Ones, look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I, I, I thought you'd be more in the Elijah Wood camp where you're like, I feel like I've drank the lava from Mount Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. That works. Hey, how are you? <laughs> um, sleep deprived. Why are you so sleep deprived? <laughs> well, okay. This is a long anticipated show. We've been teasing it for actually years. I mean, we've been teasing it officially for... Eh. Eight weeks, maybe? I, would, I think we've been teasing it ever since... Richard Donner died, I think, yes. the time. I guess. You've been delaying this one quite heavily. <laughs> yeah. Effectively so, by the way. <laughs> so. I'm pretty good at filibustering. I, I kind of blame... I partially blame uh, uh, Richard Donner for dying. Right. So it's the greatest thing I hold against him. Sure. It's like, you fucking asshole. Right. Uh- <laughs> Not Lethal Weapon 3. No, it's, no, yeah, that's right. 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 Yeah. I'm it's, fine with that. Yeah. Take your phone off the table. Oh God, it's buzzing. It's yeah. It's buzzing like crazy. Yeah, you're shaking the table. Um, yeah, I, I have admittedly put this off for a very long time. And this week I kind of ran out of excuses. <laughs> I ran out of other stuff that we could possibly do. And um, You've been putting it off for no good excuses either. Like, it's not, it's not something I think me or anyone else listening feels bad about, you know, like we don't really care that you <laughs> had an issue with this because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your reasoning is and I can't imagine it's anything sound, but that I don't like these movies. Well, yeah, it's a strange thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We're going to get into it. A L- little background here. Adam and I have been texting back and forth. I, I think I have sort of beat the will out of you to do this show. I don't. Re- yeah, I'm not particularly enthusiastic uh-huh. i mean because it's it's blatantly obvious to me it's like oh, I'm, I'm talking to like like a like a 90 year old man from the antebellum south right now trying to talk <laughs> oh, about civil goodness. trying to talk about civil rights it's like what's the point <laughs> no but like seriously what's the point i don't i don't get it <laughs> it's like i'm not gonna change I think i'm a little more persuadable than that i don't think so <laughs> like i'm not gonna change your mind so it's like what am i even doing i not that i really even want to change your mind at this point, but it's like, it's going to be tough to even have a civil conversation. Yeah. Well, uh, civi- civility is not normally our strong suit. Well, I'll to be, be fair. I'll be fine. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not hard for me to talk about great movies, but okay. I don't know. I will play ball. I, I've come in with an open mind and I, I okay. When remember when we talked about mystic yeah. river and I was like, sure. please, can we just talk about the movie? Cause I find like our, distance on these movies quite interesting yes i kind of want to do that again yeah that would be nice and that was a good conversation okay that's the hope anyway i'll do it again okay. we're gonna have a good show i've i've come and i'm <laughs> ready to bring at least my b game if not my a game okay 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 <laughs> I'll, i will just say this out front and then we won't talk about it again all right yes these movies were the most popular things in the world and actually these books might have been even more popular when you and i were children yeah, we probably. were born in 1995. We were right in the target demographic. If we wanted to, we could have read along and watched along as Harry Potter grew up through adolescence. Many and people it did. And many people did. And it mirrored their upbringing as well. Mm-hmm. I missed the boat. 
I don't have a good reason for missing the boat. I just did. It never seemed like quite my vibe. Wizards with laser swords were my vibe. Lizard, <laughs> uh, wizards with wands, not my vibe. But why is that is really my question. I don't really have a good answer for you. Okay. And whatever answer that I would give you would sound really whiny and it would sound sort of derogatory yeah. towards the people that like these movies. Sure. <laughs> and let me be very clear. I, it has taken a lot of effort, but I think I have gotten better at accepting people's differing film tastes. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Okay, quick story. And then this is the last time I'll make fun of Harry Potter nerds the entire show. It's college. 2013. This is two years after the second uh, Deathly Hollows movie came yeah, out. Yeah. Right. That movie was huge. Did gangbusters at the box office. Everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Two years later, we are going to college now. Much like Harry, my time in high school was over. Yeah. And I did a college tour at Boston University. Okay. All right. Boston University uh, I, it was clearly not for me. Um, for a number of reasons. I didn't like how big the campus was. I didn't like just sort of the vibe of that town. It was just very like old school college But the make or break moment came when we were walking through the athletic facility of Boston University and the girl tasked with giving us the tour mentioned the BU Quidditch League. Ooh. And that there were people that ran around campus in cloaks with broomsticks and balls and played Quidditch. And there was this kid, and I will refrain from describing his physical appearance too much, but he had this look of glee, smiling ear to ear. And I knew at that moment that fucking dweeb was going to be you. And this was the fact that sold him. And that was the moment for me where I'm like, I'm out. These are not my people. Okay. Okay. So I don't have a good explanation why I have such a visceral reaction. I just know. And because I obviously I have a mental illness. My brain is broken. <laughs> when somebody enjoys sure. something too much, I hate yeah, them yeah, for that's it. Very true. I fucking yeah. hate. Them. I don't know why. That's kind of interesting. Though. I am ruggedly individualistic in that I, you know, I will mm. like stand Woody Allen films, but I will not stand the Lord of the Rings. Like that's just me. I, I, I but crave stuff that even though they have massive fan bases, yeah. those fan bases are comprised of individuals that hate being part of a club. Okay. So you, you have based your entire life off of that joke, haven't you? <laughs> Good joke. Right. Good joke. But it's not a joke. It's true. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a, problem. a mantra. It, yeah. But it leads to many a neuroses. <laughs> yes. That, that cause just more problems than they're worth. I am mentally ill, yeah. Adam. Yes. But it's interesting. Like when you, when you back something, like like the Fast and Furious movies, which we've talked time and time again. Yes. But those are like mass appealing movies for, you know, funny reasons to me. Yeah. I don't even hate those movies, though. It's kind of the funny difference between you and I. It's like, even when I'm not like a huge fan of a broader franchise, I don't really, dis- I don't dislike, well, I don't, well, yeah, I should go back to that. I don't hate a single Fast and Furious movie. Uh-huh. I mean, it's different for me because I rarely hate movies in general. Uh, they're just movies that I don't care for. And that tends to be the case with those films, but whatever. Yes. I don't have anything against like fast and furious fans though. in the way that you seem to have against Harry Potter fans, which, Accurate. which is weird to me. Cause like Potter fans, I, I understand like they're, um, how best to say this enthusiastic in a very jovial way, I guess we'll say they're in a cringe way. I they're, would but say. they're pure, man. They're quite, yeah. they're quite pure. It's okay. hard to, for me, 
I don't understand the idea of getting mad at Potter fans. I understand being look like walking along in the campus and then doing what Shaquille O'Neal did on Hot Ones and being like, <laughs> right, that wide-eyed holy shit, and then just turning and walking and just leaving it at that. <laughs> Didn't need to see that. Yeah, to pretend I didn't see that. I get that, <laughs> but it's adorable. <laughs> the different in the, I I want to smother those people with blankets. I do not want to give them hugs. We'll talk about that when we get to the doll in a net. I wanna, don't you worry. I want to suffocate uh, <laughs> those people. But th- that is weird to me. Like I yeah th- that that level of hostility. I don't understand how you could be so indignant towards them. It's just uh, yeah. I. It, especially like when we've been we've been we've grown up in the Star Wars sequel era, mm-hmm. like Star Wars fans now, I I am kind of ashamed to call myself a Star Wars fan. Right in a way, I'm not ashamed at all to call myself a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. I think there are people in our group that are just too much, but they're not hurting anybody. Right, and there's a big difference between that and like a Star Wars fan that wants to end your life for some reason. If you say the Last Jedi is even good. And, um, yeah, I have hatred for them as well, but, but why for, do you, I we, guess for different reasons, right? But it seems str- like the, the hostility seems stronger towards people like this than those guys. I don't really get that. Well, here's the dirty secret about star Wars is that most of the movies suck. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> so and that's, that's, that's the other thing I was going to bring up. Yes. But you can have a relationship with star Wars that sort of love hate. Yes, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you are <laughs> able to sort of be openly critical of those movies and no one's going to bat an eye or think twice. Like, you know, whereas the Harry Ooh, Potter, so are you admitting that the Harry Potter movies generally speaking are pretty good (laughs) no i well i would admit that well sure i would admit that most of them are competently made and i would admit that the uh the floor is much higher than yeah i agree in the case of star wars yeah i don't think the ceiling is as high but no i don't either so yeah i mean i i would admit that um Listen, I'm mentally ill. I have a problem. I need to stop this hate in my heart. If you love something Mm -hmm. and you're enthusiastic about it, who am I to ruin your time on this mortal coil that we call life? Okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, like if you enjoy it, you enjoy it and good for you. And I'm happy for you. I just seethe with anger. Bottom line. It's not my aesthetic. It's not my vibe. And that's all. And listen, we're going to use the word, I think, objective and subjective a lot today. Mm -hmm. And you know, objectivity with movies um, is a hard thing to really nail down and put a finger on. Not I in think. this case. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know why I'm obligated to like them. That's all I ask from you. I will approach this with an open mind and talk about these things as cinematic artifacts. Yeah. If you just concede that there are certain vibes and certain aesthetics oh, that I, aren't going to gel with people and they're just not going to gel with me. No, but I, the reason I'm asking is because it's interesting. I, yes. I, I was... I, I, to give an example that won't, you know, piss you off, because mm. I know like if I raise the ceiling too much here, it's you're just not going to understand it. But when talking about movies that people universally love, like it seems like you approach these movies from the from the standpoint of there's wizards and trolls and witches and, and other sorts of creatures in this. And why do you like that shit? And that's why we like it. Um, it, no, <laughs> it's, that's not the case at all. It's, it comes down to this. It's like, if someone were to come up to me and say, if someone were to come up to me and say, I despise the Lion King, I would look at that person like they're insane. Yeah. It has nothing to do but with- there are people that do. But you're missing my point. Yeah. That's not, well, has, has nothing to do with that. No, I think you're kind of missing mine. No, 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 Yeah, It's not, it's not about obligation. Uh-huh. It's, it's about the way we're, we're reacting to this. It's just, these movies are like pretty- like undoubtedly delightful 
and they're just like like the perfect type of crowd pleasers that are not cynical in any way and always have a story to tell. And I sort of look at people who dissent from movies like uh, like The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast or even much better movies. And the example I threw at you is sort of an exaggerated example with Shawshank Redemption. I don't think any of these movies are as good as that. But when I hear someone say that they don't like it, I just find that a, to be a strange reaction. So mm-hmm. I'm just treating these not as movies about witches or wizards or anything like that. They're just movies. They're just really good movies. And when someone says no, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I think some are better than others. Yes, absolutely. Certainly. Um, I Listen, I, I will talk about it, but I think the lows in this franchise are much lower by my scale than they are on yours, I think. Which is, I, but I mean, uh, but that just, <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, uh, just like my gut. I mean, <laughs> listen, there were movies here that I enjoyed, that I just straight up enjoyed, and I found myself actually really getting into the franchise for yeah. the two and a half fucking hours. But that's, but, <laughs> but then I, you know, but then the next movie, I sort of, you know, sort of ebb and flow the other yeah, way, yeah, yeah, you I know. Um, I'll be honest. I had eight months or whatever, eight, eight weeks, four eight months, years. whatever we it was. planning this for eight years. I really had 26 years to watch these things. <laughs> um, and uh, I shoved them all in the last week. I did not manage my time very well. I watched three of them before this week, and then I watched the other five in the last five days. But you could watch like six Fast and Furious movies in a week. Oh God! I can I could just <laughs> that's what I could pry my eyelids open Clockwork Orange style and just feed that into my brain. And Absolutely, I, and that's what I find fascinating because to me, by by all metrics, this is possibly one of the best movie franchises ever. If you're talking about the the rate of quality, I mean, if we're talking about comparing it to Star Wars, I understand like none of these movies are as good as Empire or the first movie, but if you're to collect the mean, there it's a better franchise. By yeah, I agree. I. I am also, you know, this a little more fascinated by the franchises that sometimes strike out and yeah, and, I know and change radically halfway through. I kind of like the idea. I mean, why make a sequel <laughs> if you're not going to abandon the, you know, the things that happened in the first couple movies and fans push back on that. I mean, that's the big I watch movies in a different way than most mm-hmm. fanboys watch movies, which is that's, good. That's, that's why I that, but. yeah, that's why I don't really like the Comic-Con thing. I I don't really like this idea that you have to adhere to a certain set of rules. And maybe that's the other thing about Harry Potter is that there there's so much text. Mm-hmm. There's so much <laughs> vocabulary oh God. and myth and <laughs> wait till you get to dune <laughs> and I'm, I'm bracing for impact on that one too. oh boy i don't know how you're gonna respond to that <laughs> but there there is a level of um commitment that you have to show towards these movies if you really want to understand them and and fully unpack them well i have not read a single one of the books okay that's surprising to I've me. not read why not read a page of a single one of that's the books. Su- that's really surprising. I've never been on a forum. I, the only times like I engage with the fandom is just talking about how much we like these movies. I understand them crystal clear. Okay. They, they're the easiest well, no, things in the I, world to pick up. In no, terms of, I like, get it. And in, I did understand and it. And in, in terms of like engagement and in, in terms of like buying into the universe, everything makes sense to me. Right. But you do have to buy in. It's not hard, though. The movie does a great job at coaxing you in carefully. Yeah. It's a lot of grace, to, especially to that first movie, with how it gets you into this world, okay. which I quite love. So Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, that that's my piece. I, I will... Uh, I'll get into more of my thoughts as, as we go along, but um, one of them is getting into the Movie Hall of yeah. Fame, right? Absolutely. What are the five you nominated? 
So the first one I nominated is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, okay. And the second one is The Two Towers and The Hobbit. That's all we got. We're going to talk about Two Towers, The Hobbit, and Fellowship of the Ring. The first Hobbit? First Hobbit. The one where they eat a lot? Yes. <laughs> so Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. I did think about The Hobbit. A as, little bit. <laughs> as we were, well. I don't mind the first Hobbit. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, really, if you're into dinner sequences. Yeah. It's a good dinner sequence. We're throwing shit around. It's the whole movie. It's fun. It's exciting. It's fucking like. <laughs> it's insane. Two hours of the movie. <laughs> it's just eating. eating. <laughs> well, so is Game of Thrones. Give it a break. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Starting with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, yeah. Or the Philosopher's Stone. Or the Philosopher's Stone. That's what the title card says. I have a great story about that, I should tell you, but let me just go through these little facts. Okay. Um, directed by Chris Columbus, based on J.K. Rowling's 1997 novel of the same name, is the first installment of the Harry Potter film series starring Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, uh, and Emma Watson. Yep, as, of course, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Notable supporting roles include Alan Rickman, Richard Harris, Maggie Smith, and Robbie Coltrane. It's the story... Uh, that of a of a young wizard named Harry in his first year of Hogwarts Witchcraft School of Wizardry. Uh, I think I said that right. <laughs> As he discovers that he is a famous wizard and begins his formal wizarding education. So yeah, it's a critical and commercial darling. It grossed nine hundred and seventy four million dollars <laughs> at the box office. That's insane. I mean, like, <laughs> Suicide Squad made like ten million. Yeah, last week. I know. <laughs> but what do these numbers mean anymore, right? Right. Yeah, they're just nonsense. <laughs> and I believe it, J.K. Rowling, and maybe you have this in your research, sold the rights to the first four movies for a million dollars. I think so. I think yeah, it was significantly less than what these movies actually ended up being worth. But now she's like the richest author ever. Right. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Richer than like the disciples of Jesus. Yeah, well, that's not, that's honestly not very hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> they sold a lot more books though. I think <laughs> they moved more copies. Here's your gold chest. What the fuck do you want me to do with this? I'm a baby. I'm not Jesus yet. <laughs> anyway, ended up grossing over a billion in subsequent releases, by the way, right. Became the highest grossing film of 2001 and the second highest grossing film of all time. Film was nominated for uh, best original score. Uh, wisely so. Uh, best art direction and best costume design. And it was followed by seven sequels beginning the Harry Potter, or the franchise that we now, now know and love quite dearly and famous. You know it. Everyone knows fucking Harry Potter. Uh, Roger Ebert awarded this film whole four out of four stars. Wow. Harry Potter. Raj. Is, yeah. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is a red-blooded adventure movie dripping with atmosphere filled with the gruesome and the sublime and surprisingly faithful to the novel. A lot of things could have gone wrong and none of them have. Christopher Columbus's movie is an enchanting classic <laughs> that does full justice to his story that was a daunting challenge. I agree with him. I agree with him. Uh, tell me your story. Then I have a question about Richard uh, Harris. So, um, I have a friend from England. And he loves Harry Potter quite quite a lot, of, of course. Sure. How do you not? I, uh, think, I think you have to. I think when you're, it's, it's, it's your English card. It's you're, part of it. Yeah, you're obligated. And then you're kicked, to, kicked out to Russia if you, <laughs> if you don't like it. They deport you. Yeah. You say anything about Harry Potter. Yeah. I was going to make a very insensitive joke. I'm yeah, not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So his name's Eddie, and he comes over to visit. And we're sitting in my basement, and he sees my wall of movies. And we start talking about the Harry Potter films. And he looks at the box. And he's like, Sorcerer's Stone? What the fuck is this? Right. It's like, it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. He's like, no, it's not. It's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I'm like, 
okay, well, they say Sorcerer's Stone in the movie. He's like, what? Bullshit. <laughs> so he pulls up a video where they say Philosopher's Stone. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I pop in the movie, go to the very same scene, and he freaked out. It's dubbed? <laughs> no, they shot it differently. Oh, So man. every time they, sh- they sh- do a scene where they mention the Sorcerer's Stone, they made sure for the English audiences to shoot it again with Philosopher's that Stone. That was actually the plan going in? It yeah. wasn't just like, wow, that's crazy. Isn't it kind of weird? Yeah. I think I watched the British version then. You saw the Philosopher's Stone? Yeah, I think it was labeled the Philosopher's Stone on whatever I watched oh, it on. I forget if it was on HBO or Peacock or what it was. I think colloquially now, though, it is... M- it is more the Philosopher's Stone, yeah. generally. I, I actually hear Sorcerer's Stone getting kind of leaned out. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this movie last year, and um, I we don't have to rehash our thoughts too much yeah, on it. But, uh, okay, Richard Harris plays Dumbledore in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, dies. Dies. <laughs> they recast him with uh, an Michael, actor. Michael Gambon. Okay. You know Michael Gambon. He's in everything. Michael Gambon, is he in everything? Yes, he is. What else is he in? He's in a lot of shit. He's in Layer Cake. He's in The Thief, The Cook, His Wife and Her Lover. (laughs) He is so good in that. Is he? Oh my God. He's so fucking good in that. (laughs) Who do you prefer as Dumbledore? Michael Gambon. Really? Oh yeah. Like uh, It's jarring at first and I get that. Uh, By by the end of it, it's like, oh yeah, Richard Harris wasn't going to be able to do any of this shit. (laughs) See, okay, I, I understand because, like, in the later movies, Dumbledore is tasked with being more of a person than he is, like, a sort yeah. of messianic figure or, like, a god figure. He's not figure. a messianic Maybe figure. messiah is not the word, but, like, a god figure. It's like a wise a, old man. Yes. And, and, like, Richard Harris does sort of convey this, like, stately, um, you know, regal. Mystique. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Richard Harris is, like, an iconic British actor. I mean, he, like, did Shakespeare adaptations for 30 years. And yeah. so... Like, I, I do think, like, that character carried a lot more weight, and when he spoke, you listened, as opposed to the later Dumbledore <laughs> character, where uh, he's, I wouldn't say feeble, but he's he's flawed. He's I like human. that, though. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that I prefer about him. Mm. I mean, it, it depends on your taste, I guess. It works much better in that first movie, though, than it does, I think, in the second movie. And he's good, he's good in both movies, but, yeah, like, Richard Harris doesn't make as much of oppression and in, 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 well, I just said it in that second movie. And I think, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a little unfair because Michael Gammon had more movies to, you know, do more. Right. He's a, certainly a much more well-refined character. Yeah. You know, I like talking to him probably a little more than I would something like Richard Harris, I guess. So. Right. Okay. That's interesting. What is the consensus in the fan community on that? I don't really know. Hmm. I don't think they have a lot of attachment to Richard Harris's Dumbledore, unfortunately, because we weren't young enough to really appreciate that. Right. Whereas like, I can understand older being older and knowing more about Richard Harris's career and then he dies. That might hit you a bit harder. Hmm. So. So Chris Columbus directs this thing. It is a children's movie. It's a family movie. Right. There's a difference. Yeah, there there is like a real storybook, like Princess Bride quality to it of like you're turning the pages and, you know, there's a lot of yellow, a lot of gold. Um, you know, the, the, the color scheme is a lot brighter, obviously, than what Alfonso Coron's going to ultimately do with it in three. And mm-hmm. the series just sort of runs with Coron's aesthetic from there. Yeah. But the first two movies really do stand out as... Um, yeah, the most sort of palatable to a mass audience. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, everybody loved this movie though. It's and and I mean, I get that. It's sort of 
keeping in line with Chris Columbus's sensibilities. You know, it feels of a piece with, you know, uh, something like uh, Home Alone. It feels like it's cut from a similar cloth mm. and it's enjoyable in a similar way. And there's another movie where people like, you know, you could call it, it's not, I, would, I wouldn't call that a kid's film. Interestingly enough, like both movies have a certain edge to them. Like there, I wouldn't take like a child to go see this movie because there is some frightening imagery in here for sure. And, but I understand like if you're going with your kids and the parents want something that's a little more hard edge or a little more, you know, aesthetically pleasing to them. There's plenty of that to get, mm. you know, so, and similar to something like Home Alone, which is, you know, a Looney Tunes, <laughs> live action Looney Tunes movie, right. which makes more sense to them. Yes. And I just think the movie's spirit and its cinematic appeal is wonderful. And it's my favorite Chris Columbus film, honestly. Okay. Yeah. There is, um, I, I is it a stretch to say it's the most like, iconographic is that the word iconic it has the most iconography in it yes of all of the movies like they probably they are the shots that i remember the most you're a wizard harry is not really said again in the series but that is maybe the defining quote of the franchise um you know the owl flying Mm -hmm. you know the shot of hogwarts when you see it for the first time um you know the quidditch match like one of my problems with the franchise, I'll just say on a broad level, is I didn't feel like there were a lot of great iconic scenes in it. Hmm. It just sort of felt like a pretty steady hum, whereas there wasn't a Luke, I am your father scene. There wasn't a <laughs> Battle of Endor scene. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't something where it's like, uh, you know, I can pick that 10 minute stretch out, watch it on TV and then leave the movie. Um, which is, you know, I I think like my gauge for whether or not something is rewatchable, this movie, I will say has the most like, oh yeah, that is instantly part of the pop culture. Whereas maybe the sort of like, uh, the, the, the politics of the newspaper in the wizarding world (laughs) is is not as just like, you know, I think the the phrase you use all the time is it's a chestburster scene, right? And there's not a lot of chestburster scenes in this franchise. I don't need every scene to be a chestburster scene. I want one per movie, I guess. Uh-huh. I would say every movie has one per movie for sure, though. Okay. It's not even, yeah, I, I think, I would actually go as far to say they have multiple scenes. That second movie, oh my God. The second movie, I would almost argue, has more. Uh, but yeah. You didn't nominate the second movie. No, no, it just, I, I, I love it, but it's it's not one of the, it's not better than any of these other ones, for sure. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, I just think like this film fits in line with like the Supermans of the world, you know, where they're very in love with the audience, mm. you know, and there's just a tremendous amount of heart to everything involved, but there's not really a single weak link. It's just this nice, efficient, charming little piece of, it's just this awesome magical world that has just transcended everybody. Cause you look at the movie and you would think it, you know, because it's about little kids becoming wizards, but like, like, I don't know my, my, 60 year old dad loves this movie my mom loves this movie my grandparents love this movie Mm. you know it's 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 you know and then even now when you introduce it to people it's like you you think the dweebs are only gonna like it but like jocks love these movies too it's just this massive massive transcendent appeal that movies like this you know you would never think that they would but they do and i don't know i think there's just an universality to how relatable these stories are. It's just a good story, man. I don't know. I like that, that idea that it is the story about someone going into a world and feeling like he's always being looked at. We can all relate to that. Certainly, especially when we're going to school. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, they are movies about growing up and I think like the movies are at their strongest when they lean into that. Mm -hmm. 
And I and I would say that they're at their weakest when they don't know exactly, you know, how to strike that balance between there's gruesome violence happening yeah. and the fate of the world is at stake. Sure. But also Ron and Hermione are like flirting on the side. And so that was actually my main problem with the second movie um, is the second movie felt uh, both very weighty and also kind of disposable at the same time. I, I think it, and it, I'm kind of happy that Chris Columbus kind of abandoned the series after two. Yeah, he was I, initially slated to do all eight. I think the series is much worse if he does all eight because probably, I don't yeah. think he could have carried the sort of dramatic tension of those later movies. Well, the second one for me is a great bridging of the gap. I, I don't know. I've always been in the camp that the the movies quite, quite carefully and, 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 uh, quite, um, what am I trying to say? They, they do a great job at like inching you towards what they're ultimately going to be. And I like the fact that that, the second movie actually has one foot in the first movie and then another foot in the third movie, ultimately where it's just, the movie is about basically like, the, this world that you fell in love with has, you know, darker secrets that, you know, are, are, are bubbling beneath the surface and that it's figuratively not as magical as you might have thought. Mm. And that sort of preps Harry for the things that are going to come. And that movie is notably darker than that <laughs> than that first movie. It, it is. It's also the most booky of all of the movies. It, and from what I understand, it is the one that is most closely um, resembling. Uh, yeah. Resembling the, the source text. Sure. Um, Whereas I think the later directors were just like, hey, let's just get rid of all this nonsense of like the kids in chemistry class. Sure. Let's just stop. And that was what I just couldn't stand about the second one is that at the end of the movie, Harry is battling Voldemort yet again in a different form. Um, but we're just going to sit here and watch Ron on, on a fucking flying car for 45 minutes. But there's Those are great sequences, though. OK, l- listen, your mileage may vary on it. I, it does. It pays off though. Like a lot of the things you're talking about, that's fine if 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 you if it's just sort of a weird detail. But they use it later in the story to, you know, like pretty effective effect. Yeah. You know, like like the way they use the car later on is hilarious and charming and quite tense mm. later on in the movie. And the Whomping Willow scene is something that is constantly being referenced throughout the movie, and it actually kind of continues on through the rest of the series in a way. And then like even uh uh the the the, the the, the climax, dude. Like, I just think that climax is fantastic in that second movie with some CGI that actually holds up quite well. Mm. Honestly, I was kind of surprised by that on rewatch. I think the CGI in general is pretty good in these yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's not like a ton of cringy green screen going no. on. No. I think the problem with that second movie is that it just like, in terms of the, the flow of the story is very similar to that first one. It kind of mirrors it in a lot of ways, maybe a little too much. Um, but that's it. Like, I don't think there's a single scene that doesn't work for me. See, I, I just found, found like a lot of the scenes were, you know, something mysterious happens with the adults. Yeah. Like a, a rock starts glowing or like the clouds like start creeping overhead and then Harry, Hermione, and Ron will go into another room and talk about what they just saw. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what do you think Snape is up to? What could you know? And they ask questions like J.K. Rowling would be asking them in the book. Oh. Um, and like, that's what I meant by like, it's just very booky. It's very literary in, in that you feel some of the internal monologue just put on screen without sure. really much care for the cinematic. Whereas the later movies, I feel like they they just they just get rid of a lot of that fat. Do they? I I feel like they do. I, I, th- I don't know. The second movie is my least favorite. I'll just say that. I just found it very stiff and kind oh of, uh, it's the, for me, it's, I don't know. It's hilarious, dude. It's, it's do you find these movies that funny? Yeah, <laughs> you do. Oh, that's another thing. Do you yeah. laugh during these movies? Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. For sure. Okay. Oh, the mandrake didn't, the, that bothered you? Where they pulled the pots that bothered you? <laughs> or the slugs? that I know that really bothered you. I find that hilarious. Yeah, I didn't care for those slugs. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, I get that, though. <laughs> Anytime when Ron is eating and Hermione hits him with a book is just great. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. You know, I'm not even going to repeat myself. I'm done. It's just funny. No, I, I have an opinion on which one is the funniest. I would not call the next one's the funniest. Huh. Okay. Yep. Let's talk about it, then. <laughs> you want to go straight into that? No, I mean, I mean, I don't, that's the next one you're nominating. Right? I guess, yeah. Well, I, again, I wasn't really done with my feelings. Oh, I'm second. So- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Let me get out the way. No, it's just like I don't know if like the construction of any of these scenes is poorly done, though. Like even the talking scenes are great for like extending the mystery and further building this world. Like I get excited when they're going to discuss what they're going to discuss. And then my mind starts whirling about what the possibilities could be. And then the movie takes the time to explore. I wouldn't call them not cinematic. There's plenty of beautiful cinematic moments. That's perhaps being a little dramatic. I understand. But no, the script, it it just felt a little too adherent to the source text to me. Having not even read the book, I have no idea, but like (laughs) some of these contrivances just felt ripped right off the page where, you know, you don't need to make a conversation between Hermione and Ron and Harry cinematic because you're doing exposition work. That's acceptable on, on on the page. Um, I don't like that. Here's the thing. I don't like it when these movies are like brutally efficient. And one of my favorite things about the Harry Potter series is that they'll do this thing where they'll get to the main plot and then they'll seemingly go off and do something else within the school, whether it's having a class or riding around on a broomstick or flying around on an eagle dog thing. Right. And it's like, is that really necessary? We don't really know at first if it's totally necessary, but it feels so natural to integrating the idea that these are kids at school, but also setting up later, like how that's going to pay off later in the story. Every single one of those scenes does serve like a double purpose later on, which I actually kind of appreciate about the storytelling. Yes. It's not just nothing if that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and nor do I, I think these movies are like streamlined into these perfectly efficient little, I, I mean, they're two and a half hours long. They're I, all really, really, really long. So there is some fat on the bone and I don't, I don't have a huge problem with fat on the bone. Like I'm cool with meandering. I'm cool with like just, sure, me too. you know, random ass sequences. I, I just found the ones in the second movie to be sort of repetitive and like not properly. Oh translated i mean i don't know that's that's my opinion adam i wonder if that's because of the first movie could be i don't know i think they get better after the first two i'm just gonna say it i uh, like the later movies better i do think that first one's re- quite great there that, that that's an example of a movie where it's like everything is efficient i wouldn't change a thing about this movie it's just wonderfully cinematic it's just this great theatrical experience by the way i saw all of these in the theater every single one wow rare that that happens yep Really? Every single one I 2001, saw. 2001, you saw this thing in the theater, the yes, first one? Yes, I did. Changed my life. Yeah, one of those like like theater changing, or th- movie changing experiences in a theater. That was probably the first time I went to a movie theater. Oh, was one- oh really? The first thing I saw in the theater was Tarzan. First movie I saw was Shrek. Oh, cool. The I first movie I remember seeing is Shrek. Yeah, yeah, the first one I remember was definitely Tarzan. And then Toy Story 2 directly after, which was an awesome theatrical experience, by the way. Word. Yeah. <laughs> Tarzan Toy Story 2 oh what a time <laughs> yep what a time meanwhile my little cousin I have to take this week to go see Paw Patrol the movie or or you could take him to see The Green Knight which I did see by the way <laughs> yeah I'm not taking my four year old cousin to see The Green Knight what kind of cousins did you take to see The Green Knight I thought you said no older ones oh okay okay yeah no like 
I might take Te- my, teenagers. I take my four year old cousin to see the Green Knight. It wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, it was the um, well, the scene with ejaculate is it was. They're not gonna the know most, what that is. The most cringy, I would say. They're gonna look at it, and be like, Venkman, he got slimed. <laughs> That's great. Collect some for me. Anyway. I am not <laughs> taking my four-year-old cousin. She really wants to like learn the backstory of Rocky or Rubble or whatever the, the fucking dog's name in Paw Patrol is. Uh, oh, Paw Patrol's the shit. You ever watch Paw Patrol? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I have. <laughs> with your cat? <laughs> no, with, with my cousin. And uh, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be her first movie. Paul Man, Paul Paul Patrol. Dude, it's fucking, dude, they're really doing like a prequel, like an origin story oh, for no. the fucking dog. That's they, the plot of the movie. They were born and <laughs> they, were, they were out of town. Their lives aren't that long. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what kind of, like how many dog years are we covering here in this prequel movie? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I'd like to mention, by the way, before we move on, is that Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is the only entry to receive an A-plus cinema score. Is that right? Only one to get an A-plus. Yeah. Okay. It's fascinating. Roger Ebert also awarded that one four stars. Pretty cool. Huh. Okay. All right. Moving on to the third entry, Prisoner of Azkaban, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Again, based on the novel by J.K. Rowling. You know that. Uh, and the film stars all the people you know before it, with the notable exception being Gary Oldman as Sirius Black and David Thewlis as Remus Lupin. Thewlis. Yeah, we love Thewlis. Love him. And then Michael Gambon replacing Richard Harris as Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Its story follows Harry's third year at Hogwarts as he is informed that a prisoner named Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban and intends to kill him. Prisoner of Azkaban grossed seven or $196 million worldwide, making it the highest grossing film of 2004. Received praise for Quran's direction and the lead actor's performances. The film is credited for marking a notable change in the franchise's tone and directorial style and is often considered by critics and fans alike to be the best Harry Potter film. Can't argue. Yeah. Cannot argue with we'll that. See. Okay. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Original Musical Score, Best Visual Effects, interestingly enough. And yeah, that's that. Roger gave it three and a half stars. Raj! Delightful, amusing, and sophisticated. That's what he called it. Eh, okay. I, I don't know about that one, Raj. He's, I, I disagree with him, but yeah. Uh, Raj! This is a toss-up for me. Huh! This is a toss-up for me. No, no, no. like the movie. Okay. I love the movie. It's a toss-up for whether or not it's my f- number one or number two. Okay. Flops all the time. I watch this movie. It's my number one. I get to the eighth movie. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and the eighth is the other? Oh, yeah. see, I have another one in contention, and it's not the eighth. Wow. It's yeah. Not, it's not the seventh, is it? I hope it's not the it's seventh. certainly not the seventh. <laughs> I hope it's not the seventh. <laughs> uh, really? We'll get to it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that eighth movie, but yeah, th- th- there's there's three kind of I guess, which is usually for me, it's the eighth one, the third one, and the first one are my three favorites, and uh-huh. then right up there with the the first one is the fourth movie, which I fucking love. Uh, yeah. You and I vary quite uh, vastly on this. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's. I'm a little confused. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Eight, huh? I don't yeah. know. 
I don't yeah. know. Yeah, weird. I don't know. So yeah, this movie's fantastic. So <laughs> this movie's excellent. Here's what Corone does, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, listen, this movie has the advantage of one of the great living filmmakers made it. That's good. That's a plus. Yeah, that's right. Cool. That's cool. There, there's a uh, yeah. There's there's no no other director on this slate anywhere close to Alfonso Corone. And what he identifies, I think, and that's what goes on to inform the rest of the series, is that at the core, these are not fairy tale movies. These are not storybook movies. These are horror movies. Sort and of. <laughs> he shoots this thing like a horror movie. Yes, he does. Um, the use of shadow, um, the poster of this movie, like that, just sets the tone right there. You look at the poster, and it's. Harry and Hermione and Ron with that, you know, the light underneath them as if they're telling a campfire story um, as a storm starts brewing behind yep. them. Uh, listen, it's a movie about wizards and witchcraft and there are fucking werewolves here yep. and <laughs> at night they wreak havoc. And here's the thing with franchise movies like this and genre filmmaking in general. Don't overthink it right? Universal figured this out a hundred years ago. Monster movies are supposed to look like monster movies. And, um, I, I think it was refreshing given that I don't really enjoy the tone of those first two movies to see, uh, something a little more, um, what, what is the word? A, a little more respectful of film history. How about that? A film? Oh, you don't think those first ones have that? I would argue those ones feel more classical to me. Okay. Honestly, they're they're a little more like like formal in their approach than this one is. And a lot of that is just due to the fact that Quran is not like a formal filmmaker at all. Uh-huh. You know, he this is the movie where it feels the the most plotless, which is why when I saw it, I didn't respond to it very well. Mm-hmm. It took me a little while to warm up to it and then I realized how kind of brilliant it actually is. This is the one when I'm talking about where it's like it feels like it's doing the most meandering. It feels like it's doing the most exploring, but it's just like every single time it chooses to kind of do its own thing. It's just delightful. I love what this movie discovers. I love the idea that it is the, the, the series entry where Harry feels like he is just sort of a rebellious teen. Basically. Mm -hmm. I love how like he's, you know, not like just that, that opening, not really the opening, but when he first gets to Hogwarts and they're trying that candy, that just feels like they're, they're tripping out on shit. Mm. The fact that that scene is in the movie, I just find so wonderful. And I think the, the, the plotlessness of the movie is right in line with that attitude, which I quite like, Mm. you know, and obviously there is a plot. I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, structureless or anything, but it definitely feels like the one where anything can happen and Mm. anything kind of does happen. This has time travel in it for God's sakes. It does. (laughs) And you buy it. And, Here's the other thing with these movies that you just have to check your brain at the door when you go into them. There are so many fucking spells and potions and magical things that you feel like you could just use at any time. Like, why isn't Harry just like, I don't know, manufacturing a gun out of thin air and shooting Voldemort in the head? They actually established that in the lore that you can't do something like that. Okay. Never mind. You can't make guns. <laughs> no, but it's like the limits are sort of endless with time travel, right? Like time travel is usually in the case of Avengers Endgame, right? That is the last straw. If all else fails, then we go to time travel because it's so overpowering. That's the joke of that movie, though, in right. a way. <laughs> Here it's like, oh, you could time travel and we're just not going to do it again. Well, it's so dangerous, though. They make yeah. a point that it's incredibly stupid to even try time time. Jesus, try time traveling, uh-huh. but they managed to pull it off. And it's a really tense 
moment in the film. Like that entire third act is really like nail biting. It's a great sequence. Oh God, I fucking love it. Fucking love it so much. Like this is a, (laughs) not kidding, man. This movie's excellent. I love this movie so, so, so much. It's good. Um, you know, uh, I, I will say, I won't say the movies have a villain problem, but the movies do sort of have a, uh, they don't blow their load in the first two acts. No. So you're sort of waiting for the villain to show up. And then in this case, like Sirius Black is the villain and he shows up in like the middle of the second act, late second act. And turns out he's not the villain. So who is the real villain of this movie? And so I do think at times when you say that it's meandering, I just think it's because you don't have that very explicit conflict laid out for yeah. you. I don't always think it's a problem. No, um, I'm not saying it's a problem either. You know, so but uh, in this case, I don't know. I. I like Oldman. I like Sirius Black and I love me some Thulis, man. Mm, I love yeah. the Thulis character in me this too. one. Me too. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's the first movie like post growth spurt for these characters. So that's the other thing. Yeah, like, it's also true. It feels very jarring. In yeah, they're young men. It, it is a big leap in a lot of ways, not just visually cinematic, yeah, yeah. cinematically, but also just like the kids are older um, yeah. and the story is going to have a lot more weight to they're it. They're also better actors. Not to say they're the bad actors when they're kids, but they feel more the uh, disciplined and sophisticated in their acting at this point. Right. Uh, you have the, the, the guards at Azkaban with like the claws. Oh yeah. Oh, that's such a great idea. Oh my God. Like this is the thing though. Like I think of that train scene on just so many unforgettable scenes like that, where you have the dementors coming in and just inspecting the, 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 the cars and it's really chilling literally in the movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just like one of the most unforgettable sequences I've ever, I, I just remember even in a theater when that happened and just being utterly terrified right. and just feeling cold in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then like feeling overjoyed when, uh, Harry's riding around on Buckbeak and just how sweeping of a moment that is. It's like it's like moments like that that you just you, you kind of take with you forever. And I love that. And I love like the human side of it, how it's not just visually spectacular, but they're very careful to focus in on how Harry feels in that moment, which is something all these films do very well. Mm. Yeah. Uh I've I've talked about this before. At a certain point in franchises, movies become about themselves, right? <laughs> Whereas the first couple movies are allowed to sort of be genre exercises. I mean, I, I look at the X-Men franchise. Why does Logan work? Because Logan attempts to be a neo-Western. It doesn't attempt to be a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Why does X-Men Apocalypse fail? Because it doesn't try to be anything. It just <laughs> tries being a movie with a lot of X-Men in it sure. and fails spectacularly. The Marvel movies, the, the best Marvel movies, you can say the same thing about, right? Iron Man 2 doesn't work because it's just a fucking Iron Man movie. <laughs> Whereas Iron Man 3 kind of works because it's a buddy cop movie. Um, sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a charming, like, uh, father-son, kind of, or, you know, surrogate father-son movie. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, I think, works better than Captain America Civil War because one is a political thriller, Cold War era political thriller, Whereas the third one is just a movie about the Avengers fighting each other. Do you think these movies lose any of that? I think all these movies are about something very clearly about something. It's not so much. They're not about something. It's just that, uh, they're allowed to be genre exercises. Whereas later on, they are Harry Potter movies. (laughs) Well, what does that mean that it's a Harry Potter movie? And I think maybe that's the larger issue I have with, franchises and franchise. Sure. I don't think that's a fandom issue. That's a franchise problem. Well, it is. Is it fair? But I mean, how often do you hear the phrase about, say, The Last Jedi? It wasn't a proper Star Wars movie. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that means. Like, I want a space opera. I want a sci-fi epic. 
like I want a movie. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily need a Star Wars movie because Star Wars isn't a genre. And I, I guess maybe that's sort of my problem with the middle Harry Potter movies. And it's definitely my problem with the last two um, is that it doesn't feel like they're genre exercises. It feels like they are wrapping up the plot <laughs> of Harry Potter movies. And I guess I have less interest in that. I don't know, man. They don't need to be genre exercises. Okay. <laughs> they don't need to be that at all. They could be. I, I, I don't know. I just I don't care for that line of thinking at all. They can be whatever they want to be as long as they're good. It's as simple as that. I don't know. I don't have any issue with a movie that just decides we are going to be this thing we're known for just as long as you can pull it off spectacularly. You know, that's more the thing that I'm interested in other than anything. I mean, there are instances where movies do that in a franchise and I'll sometimes look at that movie and say like, yeah, that's cool and all, but I'm just going to go watch like the thing, you know, say you were trying to do the thing. It's like you, you did a fine job, I guess but you didn't do a great job. <laughs> it's nice that you're a genre piece, but like whatever. I, I, it, might, it might bore me in the realm of other genre pieces, I guess. Oh, so in other words, you're always going to pale in comparison to the thing that you're imitating. It's like, why am I going to watch Civil War when I can just watch the Parallax View or kinda, Three Days of the Condor? Kind of, yeah. Right. Why would I watch Winter Soldier? Yeah. Honestly. Right, like, right, like right. It's like, fine, but like, yeah, Jesus Christ. I guess I could watch Three Days of the Condor. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but that's my point. It's like it get, but exactly. It's like no, 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 no. I don't know. Would you rather watch Shane than Logan? Though, like, does the fact that Shane exists make Logan bad? Well, Logan's really good, though. Is the difference? It's like if yeah, but Logan it's, was it's even good because it, it's indebted to the genre tropes. Like, I, I is it? I think so. You don't think so? I, I mean, mean does it it needs, work? is it like a great X Men movie? Or is yes, it, I mean, no. But part of the reason why that movie works is also the history you have with Professor X's character. There is there is a lot of X Men. No doubt. There. I mean, you have to sure you have to yeah. do that too. I'm just saying cinematically, like why not try to make the genre thing? Like mm-hmm. if if you can make a neo western under the guise of an X Men movie, why wouldn't you? And if you can make yeah. a horror movie under the guise of a Harry Potter movie, why wouldn't you? I like I. This is something I struggle with with franchises, particularly in this era. And Harry Potter is not as guilty of it as the movies of this era. But they, at a certain point, just become these movies without an identity. And they become just ways of advancing the plot forward. Whereas a movie like Prisoner of Azkaban feels indebted to genre. Well, it feels. I just don't think you should reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. That's my thought. I don't know if they are reinventing the wheel though. Like just make a fantasy film, you know, it's not just a horror movie though is the thing it's, it's, you know, it's a, in a way still kind of a family fantasy, although it's getting further away from that though. You know, this is where I disagree. They're all distinct. All of them. I could tell you, like you turn on one movie. I know exactly which movie it is, man. We're going to really disagree on those last two. And the same with the last two though. I'm really, really, really surprised that you like the last one as much as you do. Last one is uh, debatably the best, even amongst like most people. I know. (laughs) And I don't, it's like the emperor's new clothes to me. I really don't get it. Oh wow. Yeah. Like there's another one that just like, holy shit, this one's really good. And I actually thought that and I'm like, oh, am I really getting into these movies now? And Ugh. Oh, I mean, I know we'll get to it. I mean, I don't want to. I know which one it is. I promised that I wasn't going to be too contentious today, but like, I feel like we're viewing these movies very differently. If you if you think the last one is among the better ones, yeah, just in terms of the storytelling, for sure. You know, the last one is just a giant fight scene. No, it's not. (laughs) That's a movie that does a tremendous amount with its characters and its heart, dude. Where it's like all these beats that the movie's been setting up pays off quite well. 
you know, it more so than even like something like Endgame. You know, I've watched that last movie, even though like, yeah, I've seen uh, like I will watch that last movie without watching part one. And it's plenty satisfying even still. Well, I mean, yes, obviously, obviously, because yeah, <laughs> we have thoughts on that last movie. I don't I don't even dislike that last, the, the, the second to last one. But, you know, it's an interesting one. That's See, yeah, that to me is the third Hobbit movie. <laughs> no honestly that's what i thought it's no, like but oh, to, we're just doing a, a giant cgi well, battle to, to with me, fucking big well, spiders it, well the thing about it is that like how much of it is actually done in camera too yeah i sure <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna make that argument no i know it's it's not the massive cgi elements although it, it, it's definitely a little more laid on thick in that last one yeah sure but like the emotional moments are are taken with great care in a way that they're not in the hobbit though you know, it's just not like much of a movie. And I, uh, oh God, what are you talking about? I just don't know if it like really works as an act one, act two, act three. I, uh, I don't know. It just felt like a lot of third act felt like the back half yeah. of that last book. Yeah. That's the larger problem. Obviously, it's the thing that well, we're skating around is that they never should have split it up. It, it's just like a horrible well, decision. Well, that's the thing. It's everyone. like, it's like, well, uh, okay. You know, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I disagree, but at the same time, I you can't blame them too much for that for choosing to split the books. That's up in true. The way that they they did. had to you pay gotta, the bills at Warner. Being Brothers, a little man. unfair, they in had that to way. cash the check. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, in that sense, I I like how they do it. I like how they split it up, and to me, it makes sense from a story perspective. And I actually like a lot of the ideas in that first movie, especially. I like if, some of the scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's a little, it, it drags a little too, too Okay. Much. And now I want to get to the second, because I think, okay. But any other things you want to say about <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban? Oh, it's, it's delightful. It's wonderful. It's possibly the best, you know, I think I know where you're going and I think it's an interesting choice, honestly. Yeah. You know, I get it though, is the thing. Like, I think that one is underappreciated and that's why I put it on here. Yeah. I think I know which one you're going to say. Yes. It's not this next one. It is not. But yeah, let's talk about this next one. With the Goblet of Fire, mm. which is just the action movie of the franchise, correct? Uh, directed by Mike Newell, and again, this based on that lady who wrote these books mm-hmm. and starring all the same. Doesn't like trans people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starring everybody from before, with the exceptions being Brendan Gleeson as Mad Eye Moody, Ray Fiennes as Lord Voldemort. He's back, baby. The one nice thing about these movies is they employ every great British actor that yeah. they can get their hands on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just true. fucking, at, just like name one of your favorite British character actors of the last 20 years. Oh, and yeah. they're in Helen and Bottom Carter, Ray Fiennes, Gleason. Yep. Domino Gleason shows up later on in these movies. Yeah, I know he does. Um, which I find so interesting. Yeah, everybody shows up. He had an interesting time making that movie. His story on the Deacons podcast is really funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Emma Watson comes up to me and says, you're going Australian. I'm, I'm like, I fucking know. I know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you're going Australian. <laughs> oh, it's a great pod. I love that Domino. Oh, he's the man. I love the Gleasons. Yeah. I want to hang out with the Gleasons. Me too. Me too. <laughs> anyway, it's the story uh, of Harry in his fourth year at Hogwarts as he is chosen by the Goblet of Fire to compete in the Tri-Wizard Tournament. All right. It's the first series to be rated PG-13 mm-hmm. in the U.S. and the equivalent in England. Uh, 
And yeah, five days after release becomes uh, comes to gross over $102 million at the North American box office, which is the third highest grossing uh, in the first weekend tally for Harry Potter films behind Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. God Will Fire enjoyed an immensely successful run at the box office, earning $896 million, which made it the highest grossing I- film in 2005. And the I'm sensing hi- a theme here. Yeah, six highest grossing. Yeah, they, they made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Yeah, again, nominated for kind of the same awards and Goblet of Fire um, is often regarded as one of the best viewed installments in the series, being praised for its higher level of maturity and sophistication Mm -hmm. for its characters, plotline, tone, screenplay, and the performances of the lead actors. So yeah, sort of a fan favorite and a critical uh, (laughs) favorite, I guess. So I would call this one the most YA of the bunch. Um, Maybe it's just because Robert Pattinson's here. YA? Yes. I hear something about these movies that I don't see any of them as really YA. They're far more accessible than that or far more like universal than that. I think these stories transcend YA, especially this one, you know. It's very Hunger Games. Yeah, well, it, yes, but it's so much fucking better than that first Hunger Games movie. Man. I agree. I mean, that first Hunger Games movie is a big dud. Who cares about that first Hunger Games movie? I agree with you. Yeah, Hunger Games is the same thing that I, we'll talk about in a minute, but yeah. Um, it... I find the the Triwizard Cup to be kind of baffling. I mean, that's the other sort of suspension of disbelief that you have to just accept is these kids are going to die all the time and these parents are just going to keep sending their kids to Hogwarts. Like, at th- this is the point in the franchise where it's like, oh, this isn't just really any other high school. No. Although they do the high school prom drama and it's really the first time in this franchise where I'm like, oh, this is legit coming of age John Hughes bullshit. I well, no, it's not though. It's a little darker than that. I'm surprised you don't respond to this one as much, especially with like what it injects into the world. Like this one asks the question, "What does a tailgate look like in this world?" Right, and, and I know I dig it, and it's fantastic. I dig it like that, that. I'm not kidding. That it's got one of my first like first acts in this entire series. I can't tell you how much I fucking love the tailgate scene in this movie. It's mm-hmm. just like because especially the moment where Harry walks into the tent and just says, "I love magic." Because I think the audience collectively is just like. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Yes, this is amazing. And you just kind of can't help but getting swept up in the moment. Like you really do feel like you're there with them when you're watching this unbelievable essentially World Cup Quidditch match. It's amazing. And yeah. it's so beautifully realized. I love it so 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 much. Mm. I'm not a fan of Quidditch, but that's okay. Yeah, the characters do drink in these in yes. these movies now. It's man. just like the kids are just going they to the up. pub and just like getting a nice brew. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh I, I I don't hate this movie. I, I don't. I, I find the last scene to be really strong. Oh God. Yeah. Um it's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I uh and I like again some of the horror sequences or the horror oriented sequences. I, I mean the I creepy kinda, maze is really good. I kinda think the third act is beyond reproach. It's maybe it's one of it my It is favorite. the strongest part of the movie. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. For sure. Um, I, I, there are a lot of okay, this is another sort of larger problem. And I feel like I've talked about a lot of this stuff on previous podcasts, but I, I will, for the sake of this, call it the Catherine Hahn WandaVision dilemma. Mm. And I know you didn't watch WandaVision, but essentially, you know, you're watching seven episodes of this Marvel series and you're like, what's Wanda doing in the sitcom town? And by the end of it, they explain that Catherine Hahn's character has been behind this entire operation. Oh, she's you don't been, like that twist. She's been pulling the strings. Well, it's not so much that I don't like the twist, it's just I feel like it wasn't properly set up. It it was answering questions that the audience wasn't asking. 
Um, and I do feel a lot of times because maybe really? I didn't read the books. Oh, see, I'm not there with you at all. I'm one of the things I like about this movie is how much I'm kind of cocking my head out of like, what? Okay. What's, why did this guy die here? Why did we see that opening? What is David Tennant doing in the aftermath of this scene? Right. Why is Why does he, why does Matt I. Moody come out of nowhere? Really? Okay. Maybe you felt like it was more properly set up than me. I, I there's mean, there's tons uh, of it in this movie. A lot of these movies kind of go over my head because there's so much stuff to it. Sure. And I, sure. I know like there's only so much shit you can cram into two and a half hours, but yeah, the David Tennant character, by the end of it, I still didn't really know who he was. I didn't really, quite know his motivation um there's a lot of characters and names that just pop up in these oh. movies a lot of names that are just mentioned off and the character isn't even shown on screen um and you find it not memorable it's not so much memorable it's just i don't feel like they're revealing anything that i had questions about you didn't do you, did you need questions about these sort of things i don't know like like eh. what do you what are you like criticizing specifically well, the the tenant character was the big one. Oh, because I I don't have any issue with that in this case. You know, it's basically like your his character. I mean, he's a Death Eater. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's <laughs> been this guy that's been involved with the plot against you know the Wizarding World with Lord Voldemort, and has basically been acting in secret the whole time. And ultimately, it's it's like your he's he's the kind of person. It's like your dad figures out you're with like a Satan tannic cult <laughs> right that's ultimately what happens with him and they you know the movie also poses these questions that i i don't i don't know if i need it answered and that and that's the weird thing about these movies is um similar to dare i say some christopher nolan movies mm. where they'll just they'll they'll do the thing and then in the, at the final moment they explain everything and it's like I didn't really need that explained. Like I, I was cool with just like the books falling off of the shelf in the first act of Interstellar, you know, whereas, you know, this one, for example, like they posed the question, what happened the night that your parents died? Do I really care? It like, do they, do they, um, do they pose a mystery that is so unexplainable Mm -hmm. that I am clamoring to hear it? And, same thing with the eighth You're movie. You're not fascinated with what happens to his parents and how they died? That's not the, really. It's kind of the whole conceit of the movie in a lot of ways. I know. I'm endlessly fascinated by it. I, I endlessly, I, I mean, I love Harry so much. Of course I want to know. And we'll talk about the Snape thing later when we get to it. That's another example of, uh, you know, by, by revealing the Snape parentage, spoiler alert. I mean, if you're listening to the Harry Potter podcast, you get to know yeah, yeah. that Snape <laughs> is actually Harry's father. But does that answer a, a question that was sort of dangling there for seven movies? Yes, it does to you. It does. Sure. Absolutely. See, to me, like I just <laughs> like, I don't care about that. Like I care about just to pull a random example out of thin air. Yeah. Who Jon Snow's parents are in game of Thrones. Like that, that is something that game of Thrones parses out. And when they get to that revelation, it's like, Oh yes, this is a question that has been looming over this series for so long. Were you satisfied by that one? Oh no, I did. No, I liked that episode a lot. You didn't like that episode of Game of no. Thrones? No. <laughs> no? I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan. That was the fi- for me that was the last good episode of Game of Thrones. Oh wow, yeah. No. Was the was the Jon Snow reveal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, have you watched all of Game of Thrones? I saw the first season. All right, then shut the fuck up. And it's like, get, get, get out of here. I sat, through, I sat through fucking 12 hours of Harry Potter this week. I don't need you dragging Game of Thrones through the mud, even though you haven't seen all of it. I sat through all this shit, man. Far more hours. Look at all my notes. Look <laughs> I, at my copious notes. I don't need you shooting off the cuff. I've your seen, lazy Game of Thrones takes. Don't come at me with that, man. Do your homework. I've seen more hours of Game of Thrones than you have Harry Potter. So there is that. 
<laughs> Stop shooting off the hip, man. Whatever. I'm just saying. Show me your notes. Is it worth Show it? me your fucking notes app, man. I don't know. Was Harry Potter worth it? I did it for you. Got it in here. I did it for you. <laughs> Calm down. You fucking ungrateful prick. Game of Thrones sucks in the end. <laughs> Very bad. Last Harry Potter season. does not suck in the end. <laughs> that's the difference. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, in, in talking about... Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> I don't even remember. You were rambling a bit. Like, I think this is going well. I, 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 okay, but like, Do you think this is going well? It's fine. Yeah, you think? It's fine. Is this good pod? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's good pod. I think it's good. It's yeah. Good. I don't know. It's something. I think we're doing okay. Well, it's something. Yeah. No, I, I, I find the thing that I always bag up on. Like, you seem to have an issue with, like, the idea of, like, even asking the question. But I'm like, okay. No, like, I don't. I actually don't. So what is it? Is it the execution? No, it's just... Is it the, the how it... Is okay. the, the ultimate moment where it's revealed to you? Usual suspects reveals that Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Why is that moment so jaw dropping? Because the movie for an hour and a half has been asking the question, who is Kaiser Sose? Yes, I know that. And it is the most important mystery in the world. In order for the reveal to mean something to me, the mystery needs to mean something the to me. The movie is about that reveal. That entire okay. movie is just about basically that whole mystery. I guess you and I are watching different movies. Then. Yeah, I guess we are. I guess we are. <laughs> like, like the entire conceit of that movie is who is Kyra Sosa. It's not just a an idea in the movie. It right. is the movie. That's yeah. a little bit different. Okay. The weight of that reveal is much different than the Mad-Eye Moody reveal. Like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is hinging on far more elements than even the usual suspects in many ways. Fair enough. Which is fine, but I also don't think a single one of them misses the mark. I think they all kind of stick the landing. Fair enough. I don't think this is a bad movie. No, I think, I think, I think it's, it's good. I don't, I don't think it's one of my favorites in the franchise. Um, but uh, It's the one that I find myself re-watching the most. Yeah. Again, it is just like a straight action movie, though, and that's like the that is the refreshing thing. It's a straight action movie, but I just love the the fact that it's a story about a kid being forced to grow up. Hmm. Like, and you know, you could have like built to that like even quicker. But one of the things I love about Jesus, you could have built to that in a much slower fashion, and many movies have, but. This movie does that approach where it's like sometimes when you do end up quote unquote growing up, it seems to happen all at once and you're, it's overwhelming. And you don't really know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the moment where Harry's name gets drawn from the goblet of fire. I can't explain to you the exact moment, but I've been in that moment when Harry's been like, wait, what? I have to, I have to do that. Right. What are you talking about? It's just such a, such an important moment for that character's growth. And it happens so quickly it's like such an ephemeral moment but like jesus christ is it powerful Mm -hmm. and it just becomes just this thing that is ruminating throughout the rest of the movie like i can't believe i actually have to be an adult right now it's nuts Mm. but it's yeah it's i mean apart from just being emotionally quite sweeping it's also uh so entertaining i mean just again the set pieces i fucking love the dragon dragon scene is fucking awesome now it's important to note that they're not really able to die we're not going to get into that but <laughs> you you know what i mean uh but yes um they can get hurt obviously but they have said that people have died in the triwizard tournament yeah but in the same way that people have died in football you know is that right yeah is, okay all right I don't know. The school seems really dangerous. It is dangerous. <laughs> There's a point where Hermione says like, I don't know, man. My parents are thinking I shouldn't come back because like 
all these fucking wizards be dying out here. And then Harry's like, but we're with Dumbledore. We're going to be safer than, I don't know. There's a couple kids that have died on Dumbledore's watch. There's di- they're dying because there's like smoke meth heads out there killing people. I get it. But like, I understand where Hermione's parents are coming from. I do too. I totally get it. The school's really dangerous. It should definitely be closed. I wouldn't send my kids to this school. Definitely okay. not. I, I, uh, this is where we will agree. I would not send my kids to fucking Hogwarts. Definitely not, man. <laughs> Dude, come on. Here's where we start to get pretty interesting, though. Uh, okay, yeah. Half-Blood Prince. Okay, can I do my little thing about Order of the Phoenix really quick? Oh, yeah. okay. You want to know my hot take? What? I think this is one of the better Harry Potter movies, Order of the Phoenix. That's a highly I know. controversial opinion. I, know. I like Order of the Phoenix a lot. I know. I do. Yeah. It's just a movie about depression, and it's great in that way. Yeah. But, um, really? Yeah. Why? Um, it it does something that the other movies didn't really attempt, which is to be explicitly political. Oh, come and on. Is that why you like it? I kind of dig that. Uh, I do. I don't like that at all. I do. I, I kind of I kind of dig the like <laughs> a, authoritarian, you know, new principal headmaster of Hogwarts. Well, it's got amongst the best villains in the series. She's a really good character. Yeah. Um, I look, I understand that it is not as like stylish and as well constructed as the other movies. Um, there are a lot of just like newspapers flying into the camera and it's just like really tacky CGI. Yeah. And that third act, particularly the scene where Sirius dies, it's just very underwhelming. I compare it a lot to the professor X death in X-Men three. Um, it, um, it just sort of, happens and then you forget about it oh god see i i like that moment a lot okay <laughs> but whatever, um, whatever yeah i okay I, I i don't but does not hurt my enjoyment of the movie i think it is like really messy but it does sort of stand out and that's what i go to franchise movies looking for i look for distinctive entries i look for something that has a beginning middle and end and something unique to say in the confines of the film and although of course it is related to the other movies. And although like it does a lot of table setting for future movies, um, I don't think they, the other movies really get into authoritarianism and fascism in the way that this one does. It's cool. Yeah. And, um, again, why does star Wars work? Because the Sith are Nazis. (laughs) And why does this one work? Because this is an oppressive government telling kids what to do and controlling free speech. And yeah, yeah, sure. I'm in it for like messy ideas. I like <laughs> messy ideas in movies. Okay. You know? Okay. It's, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I like that about the movie. It's probably the better aspect of the film for sure. It's the one that's the most forgettable for me though. By a sig- and I've heard that, yeah. By like a significant margin. And it's, it, again, it's, I come back to this a lot. It's like the ideas are fine, but like they're, to me, they're only so powerful within the confines of a movie like this. You know, they're not, they're not doing what authoritarianism is doing in like 1984, for example. I know that's like an unfair, yeah, 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 yeah. it's an unfair comparison, but like my point is like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how moved I'm going to be by like the authoritarianism in a movie like this. And I'm not really even thinking about that. Honestly, I'm more thinking about the scenes of course, where, you know, Harry's afraid to speak up, which is nice. Like I, again, I really like that, that element of the film. It's a, I, yes, I love basically all these movies. I, I it's hard for me to like criticize them because I think they all work quite well, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think visually it's the most forgettable. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Yes, I agree with that. It's the one where like, it just like, wait, what, where does this stand out? It's the one that I would not be able to identify immediately unless I, but again, this is what I talk about. It's like, even though 
the style is not as distinct to me. The images sometimes are where he, the, the scars on his hands start forming when he's writing. It's right. Just, ugh. That's a great moment. I mean, that's just like a great villain moment. Yes. Here. Uh, it's so subtle. God, I love it. I, I think here's the, the moment that explains it all right. In the previous movie, Goblet of Fire, Sirius appears in the coals talking to Harry and you see the coals in the fireplace uh, reorient themselves to create Sirius's yeah. face. And he sort of, he, he emerges literally from the ashes. Whereas in this movie where Harry wants to communicate with Sirius in the fireplace, Sirius's face just shows up in the flames, just sort of like yeah. lazily CGI on top of it. And I think that's the difference, right? There's just a lot more care in the production design <laughs> in, in that previous one. And I, I think, yeah, throughout it, it is kind of a, in terms of, you know, um, the iconography of the movie, it kind of goes through the motions. Would I call it a great Harry Potter movie? No. Would I call it an interesting political movie? Yeah. And um, I mean, I guess, listen, it's the type of movie that non-Harry Potter fans might like. How about that? I guess. Does that explain Harry it? Harry Potter fans like this movie, uh-huh. but non-Harry Potter films like all the films much more. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the one, like it's just not enough stuff like completely stands out to me. And maybe the thing is like, it doesn't have the same level of imagination that the other ones do. This is the one where it's like everything that happens, I kind of see happening where it's like, you know, you turn a corner and you know, like, like, yeah, I kind of knew that they were going to disappear behind that wall. It's not, it's not even close to like the, the scene and uh, uh, even chamber of secrets where you get to like, you turn the corner and there's water all over the ground. And then the, there's writings on the walls and blood, you know, mm. it's just like, like it's a much more striking cinematic image than anything in this where they really are just kind of talking and it's just, it's more, I guess you could call it a chamber piece, although it gets more action oriented. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about it, like I said, is that it's just an, like an allegory for depression. Mm-hmm. And I really respond to that more so than the political element because I connect to it much more mm-hmm. and it makes much more sense to me. And Harry's journey personally, it's one of my favorite uh, examples of his own personal journey with Hogwarts and how it kind of ebbs and flows and how he sometimes, obviously he loves it, but he's got just such a history with it. You know, he, his history is baked into the history of Hogwarts itself. And that comes, I mean, that comes forth even, even stronger with his connection to Voldemort throughout this whole film and how that, that, that's another like really horrifying set piece that mm-hmm. they play through. And I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's a movie that kind of just is for me though, when all is said and done. It's it's not the black sheep of the series though, you know. And I no, we're not even going to talk about the black sheep of the series. I haven't nominated it. Uh, yeah, I think for good reason. I can't argue with the five that you nominated. I think th- those are probably the consensus best five. But um, yeah, if if I'm going to be a little cheeky about it, I think yeah, I would I would slide this one in the top tier. It's number. I think it's number six for me. Okay. Number six. Yeah. Hmm. No, they're all good to me. They're all good, but like there are just some that are better than others. And this is, you know, it's a solid movie. It's, it's like, there are some that are really good, some that are great. And then some that are just, you know, good. They're good. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And you kind of move on. And this is just above that. So, okay. Let's talk half blood prince. Half blood. Half, that's a tongue. Half half blood prince. Yes. Directed by David Yates. I also have to mention David Yates directed order of the Phoenix. And this is a name that would continue for the rest of the series. They just gave him the keys to the Cadillac, this guy. Interestingly enough, though, there is a distinction between the movies he directs, though. Agree. Vi- visually, in my opinion. Agree. Especially this one, because Agree. it's shot by the great Bruno Delbonel, and you notice it yes! immediately. So I'm watching this thing. I'm like, oh, they just made this shit inside Lewin Davis. Yep. 
But and, this is before Inside Lewin Davis, man. So Inside Lewin Davis right. is ripping off Harry Potter. So I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, who's the cinematographer? Oh, shit. Bruno Double Down. Oh, Bruno. Yep. Bruno back at it with his soft fucking uh, color scheme. <laughs> the greens are so green. Oh, oh my God. man, it's, dude. It's the haziness. Yeah, I love that. Haziness. Just everything. It's like you just turn the blur up in Photoshop. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like 20 notches. Yeah, exactly. There's no there's no contour in this movie. There's yep. no straight lines. No. Just everything is a haze. It's much better than like Army of the Dead. So he, oh no, it works. <laughs> no question. Army of the Dead is trash. Yeah. <laughs> Army of the Dead is a fucking it's a it's puke on screen. Someone just vomited. Are you aware that they're making a Army of the Dead prequel movie <laughs> with no zombies in it though? With no zombies, and it's directed by a different guy, and it's coming out in like two months. They like shot it at the same time. People like that Army of the Dead, dude. What is that? Why was Netflix like? Let's just get the ball rolling on the Army of the Dead cinematic universe. We're trying to bring zombies back. Before we even make the first movie, we're just going to like... That's some audacity. Shoot the spinoff. That's fine. I guess they, they might go forward with Dune, by the way, which is awesome. With What's Dune, that? Dune 2. They're, they're, oh, yeah. Apparently, Chloe Zhao was very glowing. That, I saw that. That made, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, interesting. I saw that. Sweet. Sweet. When does that come out? October 22nd. Yeah, I'm not seeing it with you. Uh, <laughs> You're not? No. Why not? Why did you go see... Uh, well, you got fucking Dune friends to see? Why did you go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood without me? Because you're a prick. There you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Checkmate. Anyway. <laughs> Suck prick, kid! <laughs> You played right into that one, didn't you? <laughs> Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, yeah, the sixth installment. We know this. Uh, the story follows Harry's sixth year at Hogwarts as he receives a mysterious textbook, falls in love, and attempts to retrieve a memory that holds the key to Voldemort's downfall. Yep. With an estimated budget of $250 million, it is one of the most expensive films ever made and the most expensive film in the uh, Harry Potter film series, which I find kind of strange, but okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been the last one if they made it one movie, but they, yeah. you know, they got, they got two for the price of one in that last one. Made a shit ton of money, as we all know. Positive reviews, praise again for, you know, the, the, the direction and the cinematography, of course, and the musical score, and yeah. All the same stuff. Everyone likes the movie. Um, it's my most underrated in the series. It's one that I like quite a bit, but it doesn't seem to get as much love. Shocking to hear you say that it's underrated because I watched this thing and I'm like, obviously, this is one of the two best. Really? Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Like, cool. I, I don't know what everyone else is missing or what I'm missing wow. or what the Sweet. like, I, I don't know why people are so muted on this one. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just that it was around that time in the Harry Potter marathon where I had to buy in for like my own survival <laughs> okay. or else like I just wasn't going to make it if I didn't buy in. But this one by that third act, I'm, I was fucking sold. I was just, I was absolutely oh my God, that sold. And it was the first time genuinely. And I don't mean this facetiously. I'm seriously, I'm 100% sincere when I say it's the first time I gave a shit what happened to these characters. Oh, Seri seriously. You like, never <laughs> I, I, I really didn't care about any of them up until this point. That's upsetting. And I was genuinely moved by uh, Dumbledore's death mm -hmm. and 
Although I kind of saw the Snape twist coming, and although you like you know about the Snape twist, don't you? How do you not know? You must I don't. Have, you must have heard it, dude. Maybe I did. Okay, you maybe must, it was like in the back of my head. Yeah, I think. How do you not? How do you not? I I knew about the Snape twist before I saw the movie. Huh. <laughs> so here's the thing: they all have like the same names in these movies. So like, if I heard Sirius and Severus, like obviously I wouldn't have been able to detect the difference. So. Yeah, I look. I'm sure it just all went in. I didn't know how to to translate it, so it never stuck. Okay, I no, I didn't. I didn't know about the father thing at all. No, that was a complete surprise. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, yeah, the conversation that he has with Dumbledore before the climax, and the way that Snape behaves, shushing Harry when he's underneath the floorboards, yeah. like that to me, it's like, oh, obviously, like. Snape is not that's not the bad guy here the, because they already tried that trick once they already made him the villain of the first movie and they revealed that he was actually a good guy you're not going to then end up saying he's he was a bad guy all along so well it, that that's part of the reason why if you're completely blind to it yeah which I don't believe you are there I, I, no 100 percent. I, I didn't I did not know I don't you, wait, you I didn't re- find, you didn't think that it was telegraphed in the movie pretty no one, I think it's a great twist when he actually really gets, yeah fantastic it's fantastic it's one of those great like Oh my God, they just did that kind of moments. And you, it's kind of unbelievable. You're sort of right there with Harry in that moment. Like, I just, I don't understand what the fuck just happened, you know? And it works. So fans, <laughs> did, when, I, so I don't well, know. Fans you, knew because they read the fucking books. But that, so you don't know what the reaction was like when that sixth book came out. Oh, the happened. sixth book was nuts. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, so everybody thought. Yeah. Because I compare it to the end of the, the last Game of Thrones book that was released where Jon Snow dies and all the fans are like, there's no way he's dead. I mean, all this setup that they did, it just yeah. wouldn't make literary sense. And that's sort of what I felt with this first and foremost. Are you talking about the moment where he kills Dumbledore or the twist of Snape being a good guy? Which are you talking about? Are we talking about two different things? Again? No, 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 no. You no. mean Snape killing Dumbledore? No, it's Snape being the good guy. Was oh, something I saw coming. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. No, I was talking about Snape killing Dumbledore. That's the twist I'm referring to in this movie. What are we talking about here? When Snape kills Dumbledore. We're talking about Half-Blood Prince. Yes. <laughs> when Snape kills Dumbledore, yeah. I knew in the back of my head that this was part of a larger plan. Yeah, you. I, I don't know, dude. That 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 is, because first of all, you don't make that sort of reveal in the first 10 minutes of the movie that Snape is a bad guy. Yeah. And then you don't put lines in there like, I've deceived the greatest wizard of all time. Like that's clearly yeah. meant to be this double entendre moment of you're talking about Voldemort here. You're not actually talking about them. Well, it's more obvious though in the, in the next movie where it's like, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, no, I knew no, it's, 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 it works. It's fine. I didn't, I didn't, I liked the moment. I very much liked the moment, but also how he behaved with Harry where he shushed him. You wouldn't do that. You would kill Harry first. If you really, you know, if you were intent on carrying out Voldemort's mission, right? Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't behave that way. You wouldn't tell all of your goons to run off. No, to me, it was it was very... But I liked that. I liked that it was in the yeah, back I mean, of my head that I knew that there was more to this. The problem is it's overshadowed by the moment where he fucking kills Dumbledore. So even if, if you thought like, oh, he's going to save Harry here. No, he even he says it. it has to be it has to be Severus. You have to get Severus. He says that in the next movie, though. He says it here. No. When, he, when he goes and tells Harry to run off, go get Severus. Remember when he's like ailing, he's got like the hand. Yeah, I get hand. that. And he I, says, you have to get Severus. Go get Severus. Yeah, but when I when I read that, it's not like, oh, oh Severus is, is the good guy in this moment. It's just that it's someone I trust. 
Right. More so than and like... And so if Dumbledore trusts him, then that's... Yeah. Yeah, but that's the problem. It's like, well, how much does Dumbledore really know here? If you were fooled moment? by it, cool. The movie worked on you. Yep. It, it didn't fool me, but it didn't hurt my experience watching the movie. I still really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, okay, this is, in my opinion, the funniest of the franchise and also the darkest. It does both things very well. Um, the sequence where Harry takes the good luck potion... And, uh, you know, oh, it's definitely, yeah. he goes out in the woods with Hagrid and his professor. Um, like that to me, it's like, oh, Radcliffe can actually do comedy. And I think it kind of foreshadows the choices that he makes over the next 10 years, uh, you know, making sometimes like really big flops, but also being really effective in sitcom roles and, and other like really quirky yeah. comedies. Um, yeah, he's really funny in that scene. And mm-hmm. I, I almost think he was more born to do comedy than drama. I mean, he has that face. He has that way about him that really like quirky appeal. Um, and I, I just think like that is the, the, the funniest scene when like a double door is comforting his or I'm, no, sorry. Hagrid is comforting his spider. And he's like, it was me best friend. It's a great scene. I mean, it is both gut wrenching and really funny. I um, love that balance of the two. It's di- yeah. yeah, it's not for me. Prisoner of Azkaban is slightly funnier, but yeah, I, I get why you would say this is the funniest, right? You know, so to be able to do that and to have, in my opinion, the best scene of the franchise, which is the Dumbledore death. And actually the sequence before where Dumbledore and Harry are in the cave. That's a fantastic. Um, scene. Oh, my God. It is the movie that strikes the best balance of tone in this yeah. entire franchise. It just nails the fucking tone. And it's exactly <laughs> what I wanted out of these movies um, all along. It's the only one that nails the tone. It is the one, no, the one that does it the best, God. That, that nails it most effectively, in my opinion. Wow, I don't know if there's one that's the best at all. They're kind of, that's one of the things I love about this franchise uh, on the whole, though, is that they have a very firm grasp on their tone and that beautiful balance between the dark and the funny and the magical and the more real. You know, it's, it's I don't know. Yeah, I kind of disagree with that, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily rank them, though. It's hard for me to say. But I agree with you that it's a wonderful, you know, like orchestration of tone for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have think about it. You have like a romantic comedy playing out in this movie, too. Oh, I mean, the, the, the Ron and Hermione stuff is delightful. I wouldn't even call it a romantic comedy. It's just a romance. Man. Yeah, it's not. Fu- it's like so true yeah. like the thing i love about this movie more than anything is just how closely it gets to relationships and mm-hmm. what they we finally have like a deeper understanding of like what relationships are like in this movie other than like because one thing i will say about the other movies is that like there's nothing like palpable with the relationships prior there's something there it's it's okay but it's not great it's not as like gut-wrenching as it is just seeing hermione sitting on the steps crying with harry trying to console her god almighty is that perfect and then of course sees ron run off with the girl mm. and oh god there's way too much truth in that moment yeah 100 percent. way too much truth in that moment. Yeah, when when him and uh when harry and ron are talking about like oh what, what do you think uh he sees in her she's got a nice skin Hermione's got nice skin like yeah that's both charming teenage bullshit and then uh, you need that juxtapose it with I think the scariest scene in the franchise which is that cave sequence it's scary it's actually not the scariest scene in this movie for me oh really honestly honestly when uh, it's it's the young Voldemort scenes fuck those young Voldemort scenes they freak me out oh yeah it's and we're talking about like how effective this series can be how effective it usually is but I mean like really going for something next level that is the most chilling young child stuff I've ever seen in my life it is so like like the wide lens that 
Bruno's using to get in all these characters' faces. Right. Not so much where it's like a Terry Gilliam shot. It's just, it's just like dealing with the fact that you know I, we're having a genuinely good time, but then wait, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> and the the slow build. That kid is great. And that yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The, the the careful use of the haze and the the, the strange light and the way it will hold on a face as the, the the character's emotions you know they might smile but nothing's happening with the eyes yeah. it's just really 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 chilling stuff and then when the um, slughorn has to explain what horcruxes are and just the the very careful like somber music that plays over it's almost like a John Carpenter sort of veneer that sort of informs the scene a little bit more oh my god it's so well directed. I just I can't I cannot get enough I cannot get enough of how like beautifully done both of those scenes are and they yeah they freak me out. Yeah, I I really like it. I don't know why this is not at the top of the heap for most people. Like to me, you compare this to the eighth one, and I, like it's not even close. It's it's honestly not even close. Like the climax of this one when they all put the wands up for Dumbledore. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, that's the that's the emotional gut punch moment of this franchise. That's it right there. Like, you know, and back to the point that I was making about the mysteries being properly teased out. Here's a real simple one. Who's the Half-Blood Prince? Yeah. I wonder who it could be. It's a guy that we've been watching for seven movies. Yes. You know, like, yeah. keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Uh, works. Yes, I agree. It completely works. So, uh, yeah, like, it, for me, it's this one, and it's the third one in contention. Um, and I... I just felt like such a sense of momentum coming out of this one. Like, fuck yeah, let's watch this next one right now. And I just hate what that seventh movie does to the momentum of this series. Yeah, that, well, that that's where I agree. Like, cause I guess we'll, we'll briefly talk about that seventh one. Let's it, talk about it now. Unless you have anything else you want to say about this one. No, no, this one, I, lo- I love, 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 love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't quite have the same like hold on its story that I think the other ones do. It's not as nearly as gracefully done. But there's, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I can't deny like scene by scene. It's just like everything's touching about this movie. Mm-hmm. Even when it gets dark, it's touching. And that climax is, is horrifying and beautiful at the same time. Mm. It's really great stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, the seventh one is gen- generally considered to be the worst uh, alongside that second movie. No one thinks, and again, no one thinks these are bad movies. I certainly don't think the seventh one's a bad movie either. Um, I love many of the scenes with just Hermione and Harry, especially when he has to console Hermione and they just dance. I just love the fact that the movie chooses to have that moment. I'm not a big fan that they put like an indie rock song Whatever. in there, but wh- Whatever, yeah, man. otherwise <laughs> I don't give a yeah, shit. I mean, that's yeah, of course the scene where they finally destroyed the Horcrux is the, f- oh God, every time I watch it, it's just like, I want to get out of there. So in a good way, I just want to get the fuck out of there. Some so bad. nudity, some Emma yeah. Watson Radcliffe, a little bit of nudity. Yeah. And there is that. Um, and then the Dobby scene breaks my heart. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Breaks my fucking heart. Uh, and again, like a we lot of- We haven't talked Dobby yet today. No, we haven't. We, we didn't talk about Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Go ahead. Uh, and yeah, I really like the movie. I just think in terms of the- Yeah, you're right. In terms of the momentum, it really- It was a strange choice. Because it does take like more of a- Like, I don't know what you would call that- uh, a metho- it's not even that methodical, is it? <laughs> it's 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 a little more reflective. It's just it's it's literally a time for the characters to rest and figure out what the fuck they're doing. I love the sense of desperation in the movie. There's definitely that. You definitely get the sense where it's like, okay, we're cut off and we have no idea what we're gonna do. So it's definitely like the low point of these 
uh, next two movies. The movie starts on a low point and the whole movie is about failure mm. and executes that theme very well. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't have a lot to fully criticize about. I think everything's well done. It's just, this is a franchise thing. You know, I think maybe if I saw this movie individually, I'd be perfectly okay with it. But when you watch it next to that six movie and it's just like, oh, that's a bit of a step back. hundred percent. I mean, just in terms of style, I don't think it's as well shot. I don't think it's as well directed. Um, It is the most television of the franchise, in my (laughs) opinion. Like it is the most throat clearing table setting bottle episode of a movie. This is the only one I could see being a play. Uh, okay i guess i'll give it that all right if you want to say that it's entirely dialogue that is, that is the most generous way of putting it's it. entirely dialogue. from my understanding the first half of that last book really bored people when they read it for the first time um and so to make that its own movie is a very strange choice yep uh yeah there's just so much fat on this bone and it's just really frustrating that we're in the final movie of the franchise and now we're going to a wedding. Like, and I think there's actually Hermione says like, doesn't it feel weird that we're going to a wedding during all of this horrible shit? And it's like, yeah, Hermione, it actually feels really weird. I feel really weird that we're here right now and we really shouldn't be here. It opens so well. It's just like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is where we're at now. And they have to erase the memories of the parents. They're leaving everything. That's good shit. It opens very well and it ends very strong, which is good. And there are plenty of moments in between that are well done. There's not a single thing about this that is, like I said, poorly executed. It's just that, you know, for storytelling purposes, we didn't really need a lot of this stuff. You're definitely right that when we talk about fat on the bone, I, when you said earlier, like you like the fat, I really like the fat. Yeah, but not this kind the of other, fat though. This it's is what, the, yes. Right, 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 like right. I, I crave that fat in the other movies. Whereas like, this is like, there's just no flavor here. Yes. It's that, not doing anything for me. That stuff is world building, whereas yes. this stuff is killing time. Exactly. And I think that's the, the main problem. Literally is sometimes killing time. <laughs> and it's yeah, literally. Yeah, it's kind of horrible that uh, is this the first movie of the like YA adaptations that splits up the last two films? Yes. Now, granted, I get this more than like fucking mocking Jay. Awful. But- fucking because aw- I actually like that second Hunger Games movie. Okay. The, the 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 split and it just makes no fucking sense in that last sure. one. Yeah, it's just we're making a Hunger Games without a Hunger Games. No fucking sense. I have no issue with this though. Like where it's like it does make me believe that you needed to do it. It's not one of those instances where with the last Hobbit or with Hobbit in general. Yes, where just I just don't believe that you needed to split this up. I'm right. sorry. Yes, but this movie informs me with its heart and its humanity, and just like, like the you way- like it more, so yeah. it's fine. I yeah. mean, you well, like the, these characters the, the more, way- and you like the world more, That's so you have more patience it. for it. Obviously, well, the, the way it handles its characters and what it puts them through is inspiring sometimes, and it's very eye opening. And I always learn something more about them. And I just love the fact that this movie is about a low point for these characters, mm. and it does a great job at expressing that. And then the, the the next film does a great job at starting very low and then building all the way up. But you can do so. this in 20 minutes. Yes. In one movie. Yes. You can, and you can include that stuff in there. Find time for it. I mean, you don't have to make an entirely new movie to do fucking character work. I just think like that's a lazy way of approaching filmmaking. If you're like, the only way we can have Harry and Hermione dancing is if we make a whole movie about Harry and Hermione dancing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's that to me, you're, you're taking your eye off the ball. Like, you know, like if you can't find room for that in the hour long CGI battle in the in the last movie, 
like you should not be making these movies. That's just my opinion. I'm really frustrated by how they split this up. It really put a sour taste oh, in my I, mouth. I, I, and I'll be honest with you, the Dobby stuff. Your mileage may vary on Dobby. Yeah, I, I don't like Dobby. I fucking hate Dobby. I'm happy that he was done after that second film. He's one of the reasons why I don't like that second film. To make him the emotional climax of the movie, his death be the crux of this film. Uh, sorry, not gonna work, man. Not after we just lost Dumbledore in the last one. Mm. Now you expect me to feel the same emotional weight when fucking Dobby gets shot or gets stabbed? No, I don't buy it. <laughs> You're the only person I know who didn't have that reaction. I don't buy it. But guess Dobby what? X Machina over here. You no, go, thank you. Well, it doesn't exactly work out for them, does it? No. Uh, by the way, uh, it's the least surprising take you've ever had. <laughs> so whatever. You know I'm right. No, you no, know I'm right. I, I know. I think you're wrong <laughs> about Dobby. Yeah. Fuck Dobby, dude. <laughs> he gets bet. Well, part of the reason I like him is that he starts off as this like, again, he's supposed to be a pestering character. And by the end of it, you feel sorry for him, yeah. which I really love. And then by this one, I just love him. I just want nothing but good things for Dobby. <laughs> so just feels like we're not really escalating the drama oh, when I we see. kill off Dobby after Dumbledore. Right. Uh, I don't know. It works. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes. It doesn't. It's the worst movie in the franchise. It doesn't work. It does work. It doesn't. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. It absolutely works. I don't think anyone like, why would Why are we deny. wasting fucking time on Ron being jealous of, of Harry? Are you fucking kidding? We're doing this now? It works. It's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it works. God, I, I was on my best behavior. It doesn't fucking work. Why are we wasting our it time? It works, Nico. What? It's okay. How many movies do we need? Like, they got together. We resolved it in the last movie. <laughs> Now we're going to put like this half-hearted love triangle for 20 minutes. Like there's no fucking reason for this. Let's fight Voldemort already. Like we're here. We're here. It's like we did all this table setting in the last couple movies. Trust that that's enough. We don't need more rom-com drama. I needed it. <laughs> I needed it. You did. So, okay. Yeah, so well, then I, you do think that the movie, like, I so you do believe they should have split it. You think this was the right idea? Yes. I've always believed that. It's one of those few examples where I do believe that though. So I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the movie you actually nominated because I have some thoughts on this one. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 that last one. Especially for like Ron and Hermione, like this like part of that relationship doesn't work at all without this movie. That's one of the big reasons why I actually do like it, you know. And why it does feel so necessary. You don't have nearly the emotional impact of any of their relationship if you don't have this first movie. But whatever. Uh, do you ever buy a love triangle though? Do they yes. Ever, you stop. Stop. Yes. Stop. They do that work in this movie. Like you are wrong on this take. <laughs> it's okay. I don't. I really don't think I am. I think you are. <laughs> but whatever. You really need that. You yes. Need them to test the relationship again. It's not. It hasn't really been tested. Sure, it has. Not as much as this. Mildly so. What are you talking about? Ron and Harry. Or, Ron, or like just the, the all of the above the three of them okay. i mean haven't they been through enough together we're Tested? now yeah it's like no dude like dude like no. ron's house just burnt down like now he's gonna be fucking jealous that his kids are cut that his friends are cuddling. i'm not talking about the stuff that happens to like ron specifically or harry specifically but the three of them collectively with their own personal experience no yeah i need a i needed a bit more Okay. I know it gives me everything I could have possibly wanted. Okay. I'm sorry. And, and you support Dobby's death being the climax of the penultimate Harry Potter film. 
everybody does. You find that <laughs> I'm not I'm not alone on this. Why man. do you say what is this consensus? Everybody like you've been on the streets and you've talked to everyone that's seen every Harry Potter movie. Everybody there's definitely does. fucking there's definitely dissenters. There definitely are. Good there luck are people finding out there. <laughs> there are people out there that don't like this movie. I this ch- movie got negative reviews at the time. Ch- there are people that don't like it. I think it has an A minus cinema score. I think it got three and a half stars by Roger. So I don't know. <laughs> Roger was dead. No, he wasn't. By 2009. What, what year did Roger die? Or was it RogerEuber.com? Regardless. No, I don't think he died in 2009. Did he? When did he die? He died in 2013. Oh, oh yes. He, did, he definitely reviewed that last one. Does he have a review? For- yeah, Roger Eber did give... Uh, what did he give it, though? I don't know. Three stars. Okay. Not a bad score, though. The film is literally about stabbing. Well, we all know that. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry, man. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, good luck finding those fans that have an issue or anybody. You know what I I have, what it ultimately comes down to? Like, I shouldn't have to fucking apologize for not liking a movie where two fucking people like just spray magic at each other with, with wands. Like, I'm sorry. No, but like, I shouldn't have to fucking apologize. And this idea that there's this shadow government out there that has. Stop it. Like, why am I not allowed not to like it? Why, <laughs> like, what, what is this? Like, it. seriously, what, Calm is, down. what is this? Chill out. <laughs> it's not about magic. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about these stories. Stick to the stories. Like, man. why can't I just present a well thought out criticism of the movie without like, a, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm not sure it is very well thought out. <laughs> I don't know. That sequence is very well directed. <laughs> God, there are definitely people that don't like it. The proof is in the pudding, man. People like it. Who fucking cares? People like a lot of things. You like McDonald's. People like a lot of things that are... Exactly. <laughs> people like a lot of things that are not good. Like, Jesus Christ. This it's like, we're not people? fucking... Dude, we're not fucking talking about Citizen Kane here. We're talking about fucking Magic Wand movies. Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's it, it it's hard to... I can't say one thing. I just gave you... I think I've been pretty fucking fair today. I think I've been pretty fair. I've been on my, my best behavior this podcast. I showered praise on these on many of these movies. Shut up. God. I don't like the fact that fucking Ron Weasley is, is jealous that his girlfriend is snuggling with his friend and... Yes. I, I, I get raked over the coals for it I, because I didn't cry when the fucking Jar Jar Binks of Harry Potter died. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm s- Sue me. I feel sorry for you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's it's strange that it doesn't work for you. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Who's we? Who, are, who is this army? You and what army? You keep Everybody. using the we. You keep using the plural. Okay. Like you speak for the people. Okay. Six billion people. How about that? <laughs> the collective population They're, of China. <laughs> How about that? I don't know. You are anti-discourse, my friend. I am. I'm always sticking up for discourse. I'm I embrace just, debate. I'm just All right, being this idea honest. That there needs to be this monolith that everybody needs to support. Fucking Dobby, for God's sake. I don't. I don't even disagree with you, man. You know, Soul still, still sucks. It's a piece of shit. But whatever. <laughs> I don't care if anybody likes it. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, if you if you want me to stop using we, I will. It doesn't change the fact that people still love this shit. There are people that, still that respond, love it. And I'm still sure respond, there are people that don't. That, and their opinions are valid. It's art. Yes. No, I know. but that's it's it, 
whatever. But it's not, we're not talking Raging Bull here. No, do you know no, what I I'm mean? Not like, well, why? Why do you think I'm comparing it to Raging Bull? <laughs> it's it's this idea that like. Okay, that is a movie that if you criticize it, like I will hear your criticisms, but you better come with fucking you better come with the evidence. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you better you better come with fucking stacks and stacks of pages being like, you know, actually I don't like the handheld use of camera in in the in the boxing sequences. Not like I don't like that he got fat at the end. But this is <laughs> That's a movie what it sounds no, like this you're is doing a, though. <laughs> no, this is a movie about dudes fucking shooting magic shit at each other with wands and No, but this okay, I'm, I'm and, already Nico, I'm already out of your argument okay. as soon as you say that. All Don't right. ever bring that argument to the table because we are going to be like, you're missing the point. I'm not missing the point. When you it's, say that, you are. It's though. just that there is there is room to be like, hey, it doesn't exactly work for me. And that should be enough. Dude, but this is this is what I'm this is not like the unimpeachable source text that you're implying that it is. That's all. Why? It can be, though. It certainly can be. Lord of the Rings is that. Mad Max Fury Road is that. <laughs> and those those are ridiculous it's movies. It's though. obviously different. Why? Because they're made by like genuine auteurs, not like hired hands so, that were told to split the last two movies because they wanted to double the box. It doesn't matter, dude. If it the movies does. work, it, it, no, it it actually does. Why? Because it was not an artistic intent there. It feels there was no, like it though. Okay, well then you know what? Again, you and I can agree <laughs> to disagree. It feels but like it. it. Certainly does not feel like it to me. It feels like Warner Brothers is like, how do we milk every last drop of this fucking franchise out? Much like they're doing with these Fantastic Beast yeah. movies, that by all accounts I haven't seen them are not working for anybody. The be- first one's good. Okay, but they're making like six of them. <laughs> yeah, when nobody wanted a second one, you know, it's that's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. But whatever. Okay. I, when I say no, the, I'm I'm just like I, I feel like you're not seeing it, and that bothers me. But I feel like you're not seeing it. When I say the proof, no, is I the, see them. I see them as movies about wizards shooting magic powers at each other that people enjoy, and that's fine that you can like it at that level. But when I come with it at a with a genuine story critique, but you seem and to you're be, like, oh, I like Hermione and Ron. But you seem to be totally forgetting the fact that the execution of those, like the the, the emotional sweeps, like the performances are wonderful, and they ease into that moment quite naturally. The direct Direction's really good. The writing's great. You know, the the flow of the story makes sense to me. It's not like nothing. It's it just sounds like you're calling it nothing to me. I'm calling yes. To be clear, I am calling seven close to nothing. Okay. There are scenes there are scenes that I like in it, but yes, I find it to be sort of a cynical, um, uh, sort of like Frankenstein's monster of a movie, and that oh, it was just it was sliced up at an arbitrary point <laughs> and split into two, so Warner Brothers could yeah. cash another paycheck. And I just think you're missing the point. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. All right. I don't. I, but the thing is, I don't understand how you can watch the movie and say that when so much of it is well done. I just get from like a story perspective. It's if you were to say like, oh, like rhythmically, this doesn't quite work, but it doesn't feel out of place to me. And it doesn't feel like it's not necessary. Like I look at it like just clinically and I say, yeah, I understand why you would need to devote this much time to dealing with these characters this way and emphasizing their low points and seeing how they could split at any particular moment, which just makes the story feel more tense for me personally, because I don't really know honestly where they're going to end up. But, you know, (laughs) what you going to do? What you going to do? Let's talk about that eighth movie. Oh. Yeah, directed by David Yates. 
and stars everyone from, from before. <laughs> Story continues to follow Harry Potter's quest to find and destroy Lord Voldemort's Horcruxes in order to stop him once You can be a real all. Horcrux sometimes, you know? That. <laughs> you, do you even know what a Horcrux is? <laughs> <laughs> the film was a... I've definitely met a couple of women that I would describe as Horcruxes. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I hope not. Jeez. Jeez, Christ. No, don't do that. All right. The film was a commercial success... And one of the best-reviewed films of 2011, earning praise for the acting, Yeats' direction, musical score, all those great things, cinematography, action sequences, and a satisfying conclusion to the saga. Uh, at the box office, Part 2 claimed the worldwide opening weekend record, uh, earning $483 million, <laughs> as well as uh, setting opening day and uh, opening weekend records in various countries. And it ended up grossing $1.3 billion worldwide. It's one of the highest-grossing films of all time. Roger Eber gave the film three and a half out of four stars, and he says, uh, the finale conjures up enough awe and solemnity to serve as an appropriate uh, finale to a dramatic contrast to the lighthearted relative innocence of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone all those magical years ago. Hard to imagine they're part of the same franchise. Sort of, yeah. But hey, they, they earned it. <laughs> they got there. I agree with you. They earned it. I will give you that one. Uh, yes, they, it is a franchise that convincingly goes from a bunch of kids learning how to mix potions to a franchise where half of the cast is going to die in gruesome fashion yeah. and you're going to buy it. Um, okay. I, I think you know exactly where I'm going with this criticism. Like this should have been one movie. And although it is not as bad as the seventh one or Deathly Hollows part one. I think it suffers from a similar problem, whereas the first one is all exposition and this one is all payoff. And mm. I don't view it as a, again, well-rounded cinematic experience. It feels like an episode of the Harry Potter TV show. <laughs> okay. And if that's what you're into, if that's what you go to movies for, that's fine. I don't go for that. I go because I want to be wrapped up in a story for two and a half hours. And if you want to continue a story with some through lines here and there, cool. Yeah. But, you know, leave me with something. And this feels like a conclusion to all of the movies. It feels like a third act to all of the movies. It doesn't feel like its own self-contained story sure. is what it is. That's franchise filmmaking. Now deal with it, whatever I'll live with it. Avengers end game is that that fine, but it is the most Marvel movie in that way. <laughs> uh, you, you really start, although it is, I like, well, you're, yeah. I like most of these movies better than most Marvel movies. Uh, there is that same sort of formulaic, uh, you know, the tinge to them. Well, the, the the studio behind it is sort of enforcing that. Sure, it's not fair to call it Marvel-y because this is kind of before the Marvel train really took off. Yeah, okay, which is fine. No, I I get it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite emotional climaxes to a series ever, which I totally understand why you would come at it with those criticisms too. It's you're not even totally wrong where it is just all payoff to an extent. It's not really totally that. There's plenty of revelations that, that that come forth and plenty of quieter, nice emotional moments that are really poetically done, which I absolutely love. Um, the thing is, though, like the conclusion is so good that it sort of overshadows any of those like criticisms I usually have where it's like you can't come into it totally objectively in the same way. Like, like, I mean, it's eons better than me than Endgame for that reason just because I think the direction and the storytelling is so much more confident and carefully done it's done with just so much grace to me mm -hmm. too there's not really like, a, like it there are low points in this in this uh in this particular movie 
it does have a nice roller coaster feel. And then when you finally get to the ending, it all feels worth it. Even, despite the fact that you tech, yeah, obviously you kind of needed all the other films to get there, but it's very, very sweeping and powerful. And I, I don't know. I really, really love the way it handles this particular part of the story. So, yeah, I had heard all of this going in. Yeah. And I, let me put it this way. I get that out of the, uh, the Dumbledore sequence in the train station going on in Harry Potter's head. Oh, love that. I love the button at the end of that scene. I love the shriveled up Voldemort under the bench. Like, like that. I, I don't normally like scenes that take place in characters heads, but it did work in that particular case. Also because the last line where, uh, Harry says, is this real or is this all in my head? And yeah. Dumbledore goes, of course it's in your head, but why would you say that's real? Why wouldn't you say that's real? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's great. it's great. Yeah. Love it. That's good stuff. Um, I, I, I love the Snape stuff. Me too. I'll just say this. Snape's my favorite character in this series. <laughs> and guess what, Nico? You can't be much of a dissenting opinion on that because he's kind of everybody's okay, good. He's many people's favorite character. Like that. I mean, that is yeah. the most well-rounded performance. I mean, I think just Alan Rickman kills it, k- kills it consistently in every single movie. And it's strange. Like everyone would have said he's Hans Gruber, but no, everyone, not at all. He's Snape. No, it is yeah. a, an act of perfect casting. Uh, that guy. God, what an interesting actor that dude. Yeah. Was. Oh, God, it's so, I always forget that he's not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How does that guy like because that Hans Gruber was his first big movie, right? First movie, yeah. And he was like almost 40 when that thing came out. Yeah, well, he was a theater actor primarily before then. How does that guy not like raise some like alarm bells at, at studio offices? Like, how do you not put that dude in movies sooner? <laughs> He's such a movie actor. He's well, such like a presence. There's nobody like that guy. Well, so specific. Well, that's why though. He's so specific. You can't really put him in any movie. You got to be careful. Right. Because I could see him being out of place quite easily actually. But, yes. they, but this is just pitch perfect. Yes. I guess one of the best casting. It's maybe the best casting of the entire series. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. I, I kind of felt the same way because Sam Jackson is similar. Like Sam Jackson was a theater actor and like a mm-hmm. heroin addict or whatever for your crack addict or whatever for years. And then I don't know. His first film performance was like when he was in his forties. Like he was in Goodfellas in his forties. Sam Jackson is seventy now. It's like how does that guy not just you know show up in central casting every? How do you not make a couple phone calls to get? How does somebody uh, not see an off Broadway production with Sam Jackson in it and be like, huh? Maybe I could use this guy somehow. Because the Hollywood system sucks. It does. You know, hundred percent. It sucks. Hundred percent. Um, what else do you have to say? Cause I don't have any negatives about this movie. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I find it to just sort of be an overlong fight sequence that works as a third act, but doesn't work as this whole thing. I mean, I've, I've said that a hundred times. Um, uh, but whatever. Yeah. I feel like you, we felt the same or you anyway, felt the same way about infinity war. But I did. Didn't you come around to infinity? Cause I did strangely enough. Yes. I did, um, mostly because the Thanos character like yeah. has such a complete arc in Infinity War. Yeah. Whereas I don't really feel like any character had a complete arc in either one of these two movies. What about Harry? Well, Harry, it's the one thing. It's yeah. the well, Snape as well. <laughs> yeah, I love what they I love what they do with these characters. 
Like they it, do sort of make Snape the low-key hero of the yes, franchise in that one yes. scene. Yeah. It's so like because again, it's another one of those things that I just love so much about this franchise is that the moment where I think they couldn't possibly do anything new, they do that train sequence with Dumbledore. Right. Or they do Harry like have like the scene where he goes to die is just awesome. It's just like I can't believe they're what the hell's going on. And then you know, you see the resurrection stone, you kind of know what's gonna happen. But just the horror of seeing him like 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 Voldemort get that emotional one up on him because you never want that to happen. You never want Voldemort to ever feel like he wins, particularly when it comes to Harry. Right. And the fact that there is a moment in this film where he does yeah. is just so strangely crushing. And then you get that nice melancholic moment where Hagrid is carrying him across yes. uh, the bridge. Like it's, I, I, the thing is like, I don't I, love the scene that follows that though. Where, where the, the fight, the final fight happens? Ne- no, Neville's like, I am oh. Spartacus speech. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, endings are hard. I get I it. Get endings are hard, but uh, man, I, I, th- I think uh. J.K. Rowling might want that one back. <laughs> Agree to disagree on that. All right. Whatever. You like that speech. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it a lot. Okay. Um, and you're such a fucking, I don't know. Cheese ball sometimes. Sometimes you just love a helping hardy helping here's cheese. The, well here's the 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 dirty secret about every human being on the face of this planet is that we all have cheese we all have it dude we all like cheese we all like <laughs> some cheese. like american some like parmesan gouda i'm a gouda guy myself <laughs> if someone says they don't like cheese no yeah. i don't the thing is like and I, I i'm i'm dead serious i don't even fully disagree with the conceit like as a singular movie it shouldn't work in my head. Like I look at this and I say it shouldn't really work as, mm-hmm. as well. But like I said, there is just a, like, we don't really care guys. Let's make this finale and let's make it as incredible as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And the commitment to that idea is actually kind of glorious. The emotional swells of this movie literally supersede all the shortcomings of, I guess what you would call the script. I mean, literally like, like the, well, the way it, the story is laid out. It's structure. Right? Yeah. The way it's, the structure is. It's structure. It is so satisfying that I really don't care. Do I blame Steve Close no. for that? No, I blame the studio. Sure. I mean, I, I just like. I get that. It's a it's a larger problem. And I again, I'm not going to apologize for fucking criticizing a studio's cash grab. In this instance, I don't care. I'm ha- I, I wish they had bro- broken this up into fucking 10 more movies, man. Because I, I love Harry Potter so much. Whatever. If they, it, And I get why some people's mileage is going to vary on that. I understand why yours certainly is going to vary on that. Hmm. You've also dug into this mindset for a long time, Nico. I have. I have. It is uh it is a part of me. Yes, in a way that I am I'm like, bring it on if it's good. <laughs> and it's right. as simple as that. <laughs> it's it's kind of one of my cardinal sins. If I ever write those out, yeah, it's making movies into television is one of my yeah, pet peeves. Yes, I understand that. For sure. I I get it. But this is what I keep coming back to. What how, what's what's in the frame? What's the execution? Right. What does it leave me with? Mm-hmm. It's undeniable, man. Like it's one of like those great experiences. Not just in a theater. Just even when I rewatch this movie, it still makes me cry. I love it so 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 much. And I just think there's not a single emotional beat that's not earned. And that's really all I come at. Like 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 I'm I'm a very empathetic person so i <laughs> no i am <laughs> so, so what so it, it, as long as you can like 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 get to the soul of things in a poetic fashion that tends to be like like where my heart lies or where i i latch on to and this movie just has tons of that and i i like i said i agree it is like on its surface uh, an elongated fight scene but jesus christ it's the most emotionally resonant fight scene i've ever seen 
So okay. whatever. Okay. So. All right. It almost makes me forget about some of the other movies. Certainly makes me forget about Order of the Phoenix. Uh, it's okay. just like, okay. no. Okay. What, what was that other movie? Okay. I like Order of the Phoenix. I know. All right. That's uh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. And I hate to say it, Nico. It sounds like you like these movies. Um, <laughs> I definitely grew a fonder appreciation for them. Yes. That's all the, I wanted. By the end. Certainly. Here's um, the thing, Nico. Yeah. I didn't need you to love it. I didn't need, to, I wasn't one okay. of those guys who need you to fucking love it. Now, do you think we, <laughs> do you think we accomplished something today? <laughs> I don't know. Would, would you say that we have, uh, Here, but no, better question. Grown as people? Better question. Do you think we accomplished anything? Um, look, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, running from your true nature as evident by many of the movies in this franchise is a very hard thing to do. I love it. And I, I love it. I think like <laughs> it's not even true nature. Though. You know, just try new things. Similar to when David Tennant at the, you know, at the end of that fourth movie, like it, the disguise wears off and, you know, he like becomes like a weird, like snake man. Yeah. Always sticking out his tongue. Like you could only, you could only play Brendan Gleeson for so long. And eventually like you're, you're going to be revealed for the true monster that you are. And I think that <laughs> came out at the end and I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it, but thank you for making me watch these. You should. Most people would. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Okay. It's why it's very strange that you're putting a question mark at the end of that. Let me just beg of you. Can we just put number three in and be done with it? Can we not make this another fight? Sure. I love, I adore number three to death. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Harry Potter and the Prisoner <laughs> of Azkaban in the movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> Goodness me. Goodness me. We didn't even get the chance to talk about the movies that we've seen since we last saw each other. Holy because it's been a shit. long time. We're at the two hour mark. Good for you. Wow. We need to really go, go, go on this next fucking pod. Yeah, yeah. To break down the curtain, we're doing another pod after this. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. You want to put leave those in the chamber, right? The movies that you saw last time? Sure. Unless you have like real thoughts on one of them or two of them or whatever. Well, the thoughts are that I don't have a tremendous amount of thoughts on. Okay. on well, I have on some of them, but. Okay. What'd you see really quick? Well, some of them, you know, some of them you don't. I saw, and we're just going to go down the list. Val, August 32nd on Earth, Free Guy, Maelstrom, The Green Knight, Christine, Prince of Darkness, Elvis, City of Life and Death, and Annette, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm also doing the John Carpenter thing. Uh, the Blank Check podcast, which is one of my favorite movie podcasts on the planet, is doing a Harry Potter series. Uh, and they just had Alex Ross Perry on to do Halloween. And it was one of the best podcasts I've listened to in a very long time. It's quite funny. It was really good. Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've sort of uh, inspired me to go back and watch some of those Carpenter movies I haven't seen. I watched Assault on Precinct 13 for it as well. Dope. Just a fucking dope, dope movie. Dope. That movie rocks. I, I was why I was so annoyed that we didn't get to watch it during our June Carpenter because I love that movie. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's it's so good. Talk about a chestburster scene. That that ice cream sequence. Oh lord. Yep. So good. Um. But yeah. So I would recommend that. That's my recommendation for you. Watch some of the John Carpenter movies and go listen to the Blank Check podcast. Um, because they're just doing an impeccable job over there. Um, just putting those things into context movies that have been talked about to death, by the way, for 40 years to hear someone put a new spin on it is few and far between. And I think they, they do a pretty nice job of that. So, uh, that's it. 
I love you. I hope we put a new spin on the Harry Potter franchise for people. Eh. <laughs> I don't know. Listen to Wise. It's a thing this week. We're talking Annette. We got to record that right now. Uh, and in two weeks, uh, we'll figure it out. I don't know. I don't really have a quote. Okay. You know. Until next time. Thank you, Nico. <laughs> <laughs>